Welcome to the Bayesian Conspiracy. I'm Ineash Brodsky. I'm Stephen Zuber. I'm Jay Dickey. And I'm Charlie Bradley. Welcome, Charlie Bradley. Uh, you are here to talk with us about a thing we will get into after we can <laughs> do the less wrong posts, because we always do those first. Um, and now we're keeping you in suspense as to what the subject is. Yes. It is not at all spicy, though. I'm guessing because it doesn't summarize well, so I'm looking forward to it. It does not summarize well. Exactly. Yeah. If we're going to get canceled, we're going to get canceled for our full argument. Not in context. Thing. Yes. <laughs> all right. Cool. All right. So uh, our first less wrong post this week is Pascal's mugging, tiny probabilities of vast utilities. And this is another one of those classics, which actually this one isn't just a classic. It um, created a whole new, I hate to use the word meme because it doesn't mean what uh, Dawkins originally intended anymore as an idea that replicates. And now it means, means, means mean jokes. God damn, it even sounds weird. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually heard people using it uh, much more in, well, I don't know. Then again, I'm in a rationalist bubble, so. Mm-hmm. But like, I think outside of that bubble, people have started like using the word meme correctly in some contexts. Oh, cool. But this this created the concept of Pascal's mugging, which is now um, spread through the wider society. And I have heard it used in uh, like science programs and news programs by people who are definitely not in the rationalist community. Um, I'm not sure if they're familiar with it, though. Uh, they might already be familiar or they might have just picked it up through cultural osmosis i found it really cool the first time i think it was like five years ago when i heard it just used out in broader society and i was like whoa rationalist some penetration. is starting to get out there um a friend of mine found some like interviews with elias yukowski on this channel that was just about conspiracy theories but like we like looked up the youtuber <laughs> mm-hmm. and it doesn't look like he's in the community uh what was the conspiracy theory oh God, that they were talking I, about? I was actually just trying to remember that, and I was like, oh, no, it was Roko's Basilisk. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm damn. sorry to the whole rationalist community for re- reminding you that that happened. I don't know why anyone is worried. Like, it's a thing that happened, whatever. I saw a on our Discord someone uh, snapped a picture of one of those uh, microbreweries where, you know, they make their own beers and name them and stuff, and there's a different one every month, and so they write them on the, up on the menu with chalk. Uh, the please tell me there was a Roko's Basilisk. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> there was a Roko's Basilisk brew. What kind of beer was it? Oh, fuck, I don't know, man. Oh. Probably an IPA because microbreweries tend to love IPAs for some reason. I was trying to think of a pun, but I don't know enough about beer to make a joke about it. Yeah, yeah the uh, kind that you will regret not ordering. There you go. Yeah, okay. almost. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, no good. Anyways, right. <laughs> and maybe I deserve to be Pascal's mugged. Because I don't, because we haven't explained. Doesn't even make sense. Exactly. Well, because we don't. Well, we haven't talked about Pascal's mugging yet. What does it even mean, man? Okay, so Pascal's mugging uh, starts out by describing a large number three to the to the to the third, using (laughs) a certain type of up arrow notation. Basically, it's a very big number. Uh, It is very easy to describe because he did it with five characters, and the Turing machine can compute it pretty easily. Uh, but even writing it out in base 10 would require enormously more writing materials than there are atoms in the known universe, which is a paltry 10 to the 80th. And there's a whole bunch of math, you know, about like how big this number is to help you visualize it. But, you know, it's very mathy and I, it's still very hard to visualize. Just anytime you say more than there are atoms in the universe, I get an idea that's a pretty big number. And like, since I can't even get a good, like, I don't know, I have nothing in my brain to equate that number to. I just say big. (laughs) <laughs> like I, I and I and I I put a couple of very you know varies before that, but yeah. I don't yeah, really care. More varies though than there are. Yeah, I don't I don't atoms. really care how big it is because it's just like okay, very large. You got it. Yeah, um, I like how he's in the thing. It was like consider Newth's 
can UTH's up arrow notation. And I just sent you the picture of Captain America. No, I don't think I will. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, no, nah, skipping the math part. I know I already know what you're, where you're going with this. Yeah. There's a really cool visualization that I remember we did in kindergarten or first grade where remember when printers always had like, what the hell was it? The the dots, the, the holes in the side. Yeah. So they could like, I think it was so they could spool it, but anyway. They would feed it through the printer using those. Yeah. yeah. So we, for the entire year, um, tore the little holes off of all the printer paper and had the kids like break them into 10 and then bind 10 together and then bind 10 of those together. And um, we got really to cool. a million holes. Wow, and it damn. Was just like trash bags and trash bags full of those like bounded up uh, tiny holes. Yeah. <laughs> There's a joke in there. That's a lot of holes. It's impressive that you got to a million though. Well, it was called the Million Project, so that was our goal. Okay. Um, it is surprising. I think how there long... was like kids like bringing the holes from like printer paper at home. If like if they had computers, which only half of the kids had computers at home because I'm old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was one of the families that did not have a computer. So, but what is Pascal's mugging? What is a Turing <laughs> machine? I have no idea what you guys are talking about. A Turing machine is basically the basic theoretical components of a computer we should really have charlie on more often because <laughs> <laughs> how often do we just say a thing and not explain what it is <laughs> uh, yeah i don't Every know time. like <laughs> i mean at this point we're at how many well over 100 episodes right yeah and i know we discovered dis- discussed a turing machine at one point uh did we i don't remember having done so well we're discussing inferential distance on the next post so we'll, that'll give us a great opportunity to explain why we're not explaining our terms but <laughs> but yeah it's 130 this is our 137th episode i know we talked about turing machines at one point i'm sure we had to yeah maybe yeah. it was before i was on the podcast so if everybody that. goes back and listens to the previous 135 <laughs> episodes of about one and a half to two hours each eventually you'll find a turing machine description in there but or wikipedia and read the first paragraph that said um I don't remember anything we've ever talked about in the show. So, uh, <laughs> Who are you? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So the the Pas- Pascal's mugging, Pascal's wager is the um, the formulation of the uh, the popular concept. Um, sorry, I'm running on popular like, a long time ago. Yeah, I'm running on bad sleep and uh, what do you call it? Stimulants, caffeine and stuff. So um, this will be a fun conversation. Do you want any uh, info? No, I'm good. Okay. Um, at, at one in the afternoon? No way. Oh, I don't uh, know. Usually only lasts about six hours. Oh, I don't know. In any case. Uh, most people are familiar with Pascal's Wager, even if they haven't heard it formalized with that name. Um, it's like the the short version. Oh, you know, you should believe in... It's in the context of religious arguments. You know, you should believe in God because it doesn't cost you that much or nothing. And the payoff is huge. Yeah. Um, so... And this was a philosopher or... Uh, Blaise Pascal. Theol? Was he a theologian? Or? Mathematician, actually. He was a mathematician. Okay. Yeah. One of those crazy God-believing mathematicians, which actually weren't that uncommon since... I think I, it... Yeah, God belief was like the default at the time. Well, not only was it the default, like mathematicians in particular tended to be more theistic than other scientists since they dealt much more in these very abstract kind of realms rather than, yeah, empirical stuff. Huh. We're getting distracted again. We are, sorry. No, you're good. Okay. So that's that's Pascal's wager. Pascal's mugging. Right, like if you believe you've, uh, so what was it? If you don't believe, uh, you gain a little bit in life, and you get to you be die, more, you get to be more hedonistic, and you get your Sunday mornings to yourself. Yeah, yeah, you gain just a little bit in life. If you die and there's no God, well, you know, you didn't win anything. But if there die and there is a God, you go to hell and you've lost everything forever. 
On the other hand, if you're a Christian and you lose your Sundays, you pay a little bit of cost. If you die, there's no God. Oh, well, you're dead. You, you know, you lost those days on Sundays. But if there is a God, you go to heaven and oh, everything's wonderful forever. So due to the fact that it's just a small cost in life for ginormous payouts in the afterlife, you should totally believe in God. It's basically cryonics. <laughs> well, y yes with, and with, no. With, with better probability distribution. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. It's cryonics with non-zero probability. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so... I mean that that's the oh, cryonics I guess would be the other way with non-zero yeah right so that that's that's the uh, that's the pitch I give for cryonics except you assign basic you know non-zero probabilities to these things involved <laughs> and yeah it's a really good argument yeah. when you can put numbers into it yeah, yeah. When, when you're when you're not bullshitting and saying you know oh it's nothing or it's infinite or whatever then it's you know you can actually so like, do a do a calculation to determine whether or not it's worth it for you yeah. it's how many dollars per month and what are the chances right yeah the obvious uh, answer though was always. My in my understanding, but like okay, but what about the probability that your religion is wrong and that one of these other ones is correct? Yeah, then you're still better buying a lot of ticket than not buying one at all is the standard rebuttal. But but that's then, wrong. But, but some of them are mutually like tickets. incompatible. Like hmm. if you you can't, I don't think be both a Buddhist and an. Uh, Muslim. So that's right. why that's why you pick the most vindictive God because he's the one who's the most like mo least likely to forgive you for choosing the wrong one. Like Buddha would probably be fine with it, you know, if you're just a good person. <laughs> no, no, I'm serious. Th this is yeah, how the yeah. argument ends. But then Buddha is not a god. The, the the unfortunate end of the unfortunate like conclusion of that is that when you pick the most vindictive God to worship for your life, that doesn't come at at, at the very small cost as advertised at the beginning of the pamphlet. Right. It comes at a huge cost. Yeah. Um, got to start going around killing all the compare all the world religions. Yeah, you, you've got to go to the most extreme because that's the God who would be most likely to punish you. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so Pascal's mugging is when you get mugged by a mathematician. Basically. <laughs> <named> Pascal. <laughs> um, it's someone saying, "Give me five dollars, or I'll use my magic powers from outside the matrix to run a Turing machine that simulates and kills." Three to the to the to the to the three people. Can we just say a lot? A lot. Well, yeah. I also want to throw in that he added in one more up notation than there was before. So that number before where there were already you you couldn't put enough zeros on a piece of paper with you if you had all the materials in the universe to write it out. This number is like it's exponentially bigger, bigger yeah. than that. Like <laughs> hugely bigger than that. So um it's an extremely large number of people that are gonna be tortured and murdered to the point where like I don't know. You would need more neurons than there are atoms in the universe to even comprehend this number or some shit. I'm sure. Yeah. Some giant, giant number. Yeah. And so the, basically it's the, it's the inverse of a Pascal's wager. And the question is like, Not well, just Pascal's wager to take it up to 11, really. Yeah. Here's yeah. I suppose. Almost no cost, $5. And here's the most extreme. <laughs> possible, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. I, I, to me, what's interesting is, uh, I mean, and I, maybe I'm just a bad rationalist or I don't, you know, find this argument compelling, but I've never really been... Oh, no human finds it compelling. I suppose, but, like, well, he the, the post is him wondering, like, should I? Am I failing as a good thinker to not be uh, concerned about this sort of thing? Well, he because, does because a robot end. wouldn't, uh, or would find it compelling, or yeah. likely would if you, you know, was if it was just based off of... I mean, what... this also makes me think of just, uh, shoot, what's the thing where, like, scope and sensitivity. Hmm. Um, I wonder that same thing about, like... You know, am I a bad person for caring more about my family members and friends than people dying in some, you know, other country that I don't know, that I've never met, right. never seen? This this is like scope and sensitivity, like with really uh, bad eyesight and much bigger numbers, right? Because it's like you can't, you know, it, I mean, would you give 
100 bucks to your 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 sibling who you know, whatever need really need 100 bucks or would you give it to save everybody on the continent of yeah. asia right um nobody would call you a bad person if you gave it to your sibling because we humans understand that like okay there's certain ways that like the way that we think makes us human wait a minute Let me nobody refer- would call you a bad person for giving a piece of gum to your brother instead of Piece of gum. Saving all the people in Asia? I think I said a hundred bucks, but oh, hundred bucks. In okay, any case, I, I, I meant like to as that an explicit. It was the hundred bucks either goes to your sibling who needs it, or you give it to charity. Right. So I actually meant it in the sense of everyone in Asia will die if you don't give them the hundred dollars oh, instead. Okay. But yeah, so you're right. <laughs> but most most of us understand on the like the you know just how big your your care network is that how humans are wired we're we're closer to the people next to us like we, you can forgive um, ourselves for being mere humans right in most of those cases I but but in, have but a hard time with that. in the context in the context of like if everyone was going to die and you know if two billion people were going to die then you'd be a monster for not doing it um like people keep saying whenever the uh, trolley experiment comes up that you know they'd save the one person that is close to them rather than letting the five people die and i don't i don't know what i would do in that case at, at least for me it's not the obvious given that i would save the one person i love i'll try not to fall on any train tracks near you please don't <laughs> <laughs> i mean i don't know Friends like don't i might but i just can't say, say it with like certainty and i keep having issues with the fact that so many people just easily will say i'd save the one i donate money to charity to people that i have no idea who they are where precisely they, they live and i don't give monthly money to people i know yeah so I like know. i mean i don't i don't think it's like impossible to imagine that people do it the other way around yeah. it's just like more but common. like what if your sibling was in the hospital and needed money to pay the bill and you were like sorry i have this hundred dollars but i've like dedicated you know myself to sending it to charity each month sure yeah, i'm giving it to my sibling yeah uh I, that's where i think people would call you a bad person like really? Or, that they would that well the thing is if you have the money and then like i don't know socially i think that that would be really awkward right if i only like have your, the what, $100 your parents, like what would your parents think <laughs> well the thing is that like you have you have an extra $100 and you just you refuse to give it to the sibling cuz you say no i always give $100 to charity so like you can you know find your own money i mean i would it depends on the sibling honestly <laughs> <laughs> there's one particular sibling where i'm like no you should have the $100 you wanker but um but uh for you know for some of my other siblings i'd be like yeah the charity's just gonna miss out on this hundred dollars this month because you're in the hospital well and like people spend large sums of money up to and including their entire life savings prolonging their life for like two more years at the end of life right yeah you know when you're 90 trying to hit 92 or something Mm. um that in any case we're getting kind of far we're getting way afield um so the thing like it's still related actually but i I think the thing that it this the thing that's important here is the sentence suppose i build an ai and he goes on with like, suppose build AI that work on some banded analog. But the thing is, Eliezer, um, at the time of writing this, and to this day, as far as I know, is attempting to build a machine intelligence, which could theoretically, you know, based on what you know, maybe take over the world, or if well, nothing else, have extreme impacts. A friendly AI theory. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Like, they, I don't know if he's trying to build the mind, but he's trying to well, yes, solve he... the problems that building a mind will create yeah the whole the whole blog is in the purpose of creating an ai that will not destroy humanity if it were to be built and uh that the pascal's mugging is a real problem because if you're a machine mind that works on probabilities uh and and you know theorems like this that work on numbers and someone gives you that sort of a uh a mugging threat like no matter how low you put the possibility that they are telling you the truth that they're actually, you know, a dark lord of the matrix that's going to do this, it still basically adds up to that huge number. 
since zero isn't a probability, right? Then the 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 chance that this could happen, yeah, is no, worth five bucks. No, yeah, no matter how arbitrarily small the chance is, as long as it's not zero, the huge amount of suffering that you're going to save is worth it. If you're a mindless robot following just pure math, well, no, that's you're a very smart robot with a personality, but that thinks on math <laughs> well that's kind of us minus the thinking on math part right but, i mean i i'm inclined just to say nah you're you're a charlatan get out of here but i it to me it's fun this is almost like you know th- this is the kind of like philosophical uh whatever mental masturbation that i enjoy but i don't think really does anything <laughs> well i but, think it's important if you're making a machine mind right but since yeah. i'm not i'm not okay. i'm not losing this <laughs> over you know like if someone um this is, I mean, the problem is like that the probability is so small of this person being a dark lord of the matrix, right? Yeah. But like, if I would said, hey, man, if you give me a thousand dollars, I will put a hundred. I will distribute it across a bunch of cryptos that I think might blow up, and in five years you might be a millionaire. Mm-hmm. And in exchange, I'll keep fifty bucks of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like to you that might not be worth the fifty, the thousand, the the risk of losing all that money, right? Mm-hmm. Because the odds are all small. But those are actually like boundedly small, like possible to think of numbers, right? You can say I, I assign a one in ten thousand chance to any of these working or something. Yeah. Not a one in uh whatever, uh ten to the negative twenty third probability, right? Yeah. Well it also brings up, you know, part of the problem is what if uh the thing that the AI is asked to give up for these theoretical people isn't five dollars, it's uh the fate of the earth itself. Right. Because just the earth is really infinitesimal cons- compared to all these however many uncountable number of people. So, uh, you know, what's the sacrifice of one Earth for a chance to save that many people? Yeah, it says uh, a mind that works strictly by Solomonoff induction would not know how to rationalize reasons that Pascal's mugging mattered less than Earth's existence. How should an Occam abiding mind avoid being dominated by tiny probabilities of vast utilities? Yeah. <laughs> ah, so there is a point. Yes. <laughs> and the, I mean, one of the interesting <laughs> things about the post is that he doesn't have an answer. He's just like, so how do we fix this problem? Guys, anyone? Because <laughs> this is a problem. And then he says, like, do I do I have an instinct to resist exploitation by arguments anyone could make? Am I unsatisfied by any visualizations in which the dominant mainline probability leads to a loss? Do I drop sufficiently small probabilities from consideration entirely? What, like, he's, he's trying to figure out what, how, why do I ignore this probability? And how can I generalize that to an AI so it also makes what I consider the correct decision? without fucking over all the programming and ruining everything we've been trying to do to make this AI work in the first place. Yeah, that is a fun question. It does end on, on a good point like that. Yeah. Um, and I, I skimmed the comments. It's funny because there were some negatively voted ones, which you don't see that often. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I didn't pull any out. So. Yeah. Uh, but if you're curious, go read the comments. Yeah. And he does ask at the very end, like, like you said, Stephen, is it me that's wrong? Should I not be ignoring this tiny possibility? I mean, I, uh, it's, it's hard to know how you could possibly operate your life that way. Right. Right. I mean, you couldn't. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing I was trying to bring up about scope and sensitivity, like, or uh, trolley problems. Like, <laughs> I think, like, if you I can't... Think you can live your life that way, but, like, I think it's the reason that effective altruism is unpopular with, like, people that aren't in the rationalist community because it feels cold and robotic. But it's like, all I have to do to get you to, to be Pascal's mugged is tell you that, like, oh, your car doesn't really run on gas. It runs on destroying souls of angels or something. <laughs> and they and they are a billion times as sentient as you are. And it's actually a really bad thing. Like, that, that that's that's the level of, of absurdity that's involved here, right? It's not merely, like, 
you know, if, if you're throwing money at charity to save lives, you're actually saving lives of actual people yeah. that you could, in theory, meet. Yeah. Um, you know, you're, I'm not I'm not making shit up to extort you to never drive your car or something, right? Like, when I get in my car, I don't do a 60-point inspection on it every time I start it. And I don't even open the hood to see if there's, like, an animal sleeping in the engine, right? Or, like, on top of the engine where it's warm. Uh-huh. Like, I, I should because I care about animals. I've seen pictures of, of yeah. raccoons and cats and stuff under there. But you can live your whole life, like... I will almost certainly live my whole life with an an, without an animal ever being under there, right? But there's a non-negligible chance, and that's not even approaching the infinitesimal probability of a Pascal's mugging. Well, generally, the animal would get off the engine block before it got hot <laughs> no. enough to hurt it, right? Or, or like, it, well, I mean, no, it could get caught in the belt or something and yeah. ripped apart. Yeah, yeah. it that's could so it could sad. go could go south, you know. But but it 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 almost so closely never happens that I don't lose any sleep over it yeah. to the point where I don't spend three seconds or maybe 30 seconds checking my car before I you know, get, yeah. leave every day. Like you can't um, live your life trying to protect yourself from every possibility of something killing you. <laughs> and and that's every like real possibility like that, you know, actually happens. But so the, the mugging thing is, is so ridiculously unlikely that how could you possibly operate that way? Right. You you'd be forced to give everyone who asked you ten dollars or however much, right? To sell to give them both your kidneys and sell your sell your family and you know harvest their organs. Like, if 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 you really believed any of this, you'd be in, you'd just be uh, this this absurd. I'm, there's a movie I'm sure where uh, was it Yes Man or something where like they have to agree to say yes to everything for a yes. day. Yeah, That's what it was. was that Jim yeah. Jim Carrey? Yeah, it sounds like Jim Carrey. Because he also got cursed with not being able to lie for a day and liar, liar. That mm-hmm. one was a um, really good one. Yeah. Was Yes Man good? Jim Carrey. It was. Okay. I should see that. But in any case, no one took advantage of him enough that day to totally ruin his life. Because it's like, hey, you know. I think because um, they didn't know he had the curse. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, haven't, I haven't seen the movie. You know, if, if someone found out, be like, hey, can I have all your money? And while I'm at it, uh, all your family's money and all their organs. Like, what, is he just supposed to say yes? So that that would be you if you if you operated this way. Yeah. Um, so I just say, no, nah, fuck it. Not worried about it. Somehow I'll just, meh. I'll med that problem away. That's my level of coherence dismissal of it. I so think we need to fun- program AIs with a meh function. I mean, and that meh function could be say <laughs> could say anything that's I don't know under one in ten billion times, uh, one one in ten billion odds or something, right? You you could you could throw a hard number at it. I don't um, think you should necessarily throw a hard number. Maybe something that is theoretically impossible to verify. Or like, like if, yeah, you can't if this guy is not giving mm. you any evidence that he's a dark lord of the matrix. Just I. I don't assume he's lying. I don't think we'll solve the problem of how to train an AI safely to, to handle this problem. <laughs> no, not in the next this next podcast. I, <laughs> I think what they're doing at Miri is trying to deconstruct sort of how we got our own values in the first place. Yeah, and, it, and it, it's, impo- it's possible that our... we do also think on math just way like further down. Mm-hmm. Much fuzzier. Yeah, and I think that n- not just values, but also like the, the intuitions we have. Again, we're not like, susceptible to Pascal's muggings. The obvious thing that we have is that we're like a communal species a social species so we put like higher weight on uh art the the things that we value which are like tends to be you know other people (laughs) uh we'd have to make yeah an ai that's capable of like altruism or um empathy or whatever the thing that humans have that make us care about that (laughs) i recently heard a cool argument that Really, we can think of our minds as extending to all the people around us as well because we store a lot of our knowledge in other people's brains. Mm-hmm. If we don't necessarily know something, we're like, yeah, hey, we're, we're you, kind of one you organism. That thing? Or, you know, <laughs> I, I don't necessarily need to know how to do my plumbing because I know someone else who does know how to do plumbing. And yeah. We would never have gone beyond the hunter gatherer stage if we weren't able to sort of collectively store memory and pass it down through generations. It's good shit. Speaking of storing memory and passing it down, should we go on to the next? Totally. Okay. The next post is Illusion of Transparency. Why no one understands you. Hmm. 
Uh, anyone want to jump on this or should I start it? Uh, we always know what we mean by our words. So we expect others to know it too. And that is basically <laughs> the entirety of the, <laughs> of the post in a nutshell. Yeah, it's it's funny because it's, it's, that sounds like obvious and, and almost to the point of like uh, tautological, right? Like I... And I, I assume that you all know what I meant when I used that last sentence, right? Yes. Uh, because I knew what I meant when I said it. And even if I stumbled through it or mispronounced a word, I still know what I meant. And I assume that you do too. Um, this is this turns out to be an actual problem when, when communicating anything. Um, and the they, there, he describes a fun experiment that's actually worth maybe touching on. But Several fun experiments, yeah. Yeah, I found the one of the, 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 uh, tape, the answering machine message like the most fun there. Oh, because it had this, it had the funniest wrinkles in it to me. Okay, but... to me that was the most suspect. But go ahead and <laughs> what, describe it real quick, or should I? Or yeah, so uh, June gives Mark a recommendation for a restaurant. Um, Mark goes there and has one of two experiences: is either terrible and the service was sucky, or it was great and the service was great. Um, he calls her and leaves a voicemail message saying, uh, "It was the exact marvelous, yeah. just marvelous." Exactly. Um, and depending on how they talk, you know, I'm assuming. You have to take this within the bounds of like the normal way of t speaking, right? Mm -hmm. If I I never use the word marvelous to describe something, if I was describing a food place to you, so you'd think I'm being funny, probably. Right, right. But if I if we usually talk that way, so I'm assuming that like if you said marvelous, I would think you were being sarcastic because right. it's not something you would say. Exactly. So let's just assume that you know. Let's that, pretend Stephen's a theater nerd. That that that's super dramatic. That's within the range. <laughs> that's within the range of how they usually communicate. So if he had a good time, or, or rather, if you ask people. Um, Okay, Mark had a bad time. He left this voicemail. How will June interpret it? Mm -hmm. Some high percent, the, the majority of people will say, uh, oh, he'll, did I say good time the first time I said this? Uh, no, he had a bad time. So if he had a bad time and he left this voicemail and you ask people, will June get that he is being sarcastic? Most people think yes. And if you if you say he had a bad, a good. a good time and he left this voicemail, what will June get? She'll like, oh, he'll think he's sincere. Mm -hmm. But it's the same voicemail. Yeah, yeah, they play and, the same one. And they don't, and... June doesn't know how Mark actually had the experience, right? Mm -hmm. And what's funny too is that if uh, um, when they say he had a bad experience, but he's lying to June and wants her to think it was a good experience, they assume that June thinks that he had a good experience. And and there's there's no reason to think there's. I think I referenced this at least twice before on the podcast, but if you YouTube uh, Key and Peel text message, oh, that's um, a good one. It's brilliant. It, it's this exact problem, um, and noticed, but... uh, I mean, it's it's a you know obviously written to comedic effect, but like you, there's there's no reason to think that she would get the two layers that you're doing through the deception of trying to be funny and you know uh, um, whatever be sarcastic or be a, be joking, right? Yeah. So. The idea that not only does Mark assume that Jane will get the right message or not if he's trying to subvert the expectation, but that other people also assume that, mm -hmm. that's the funny and insane part. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we're much worse at this when we're little. I find this really hilarious. Like, uh, there's a test that you can do to see if a child has learned theory of mind yet or not, and it's the one where you show the kid a video of this kid has a ball, the kid puts the ball in a box, Another kid comes and takes the ball out of the box, and then the first kid comes back, and you ask the child, like, "What does? where does this kid think the ball is? And because they saw the other kid take it out of the box, they're like, oh, he'll come back and he'll know that, like, Jeffrey over there has it, mm -hmm. <laughs> if they don't have theory of mind. But, like, if they do, they'll be like, I realize that the fact that I know that Jeffrey took the ball doesn't mean that Jimmy knows that Jeffrey took the ball. So he'll think it's still in the box. <laughs> and this is a very hard thing for children to do, but we're, we're still not good at it as adults, like, that's... I sort of think it's interesting that there's one test that you can do that shows that, but see, I didn't. <laughs> but I've definitely met adults that are much better and worse at this. Um, and I don't know what really like causes you to be better or worse at it. 
I didn't think that the answering machine test was like a great one because I kind of figured maybe the people thought that just Mark and June know each other and have their own thing. Like we don't use Marvelous, but maybe the people assumed that he would, or they just assumed that Mark's a good liar when, you know, he was trying to be trying to lie to her about how it was a good time. That was my thought too, was like, of course people thought if he was trying to fool her, he would be more successful because they have a relationship. Mm -hmm. So he knows how to phrase something so that she would be misinformed. That's valid. That's I think like, what, to me what was fun was that people, <laughs> without knowing how Mark actually, if he enjoyed the restaurant or not, they would assume that Jane understood the exact same message the right way, right? Uh, if they know each other, he should be able to somewhat be able to convey that which is i think what people are going he was with. okay yeah to that. that's that why i didn't sense. like that example as okay. much that, no, that's totally fair well, but they have two uh, other examples which were much more interesting which one did you like so i like the the goose hangs high one i like that one too yeah, <laughs> it's an old expression which no one uses anymore oh is that a real expression i don't know the, apparently they were told that it's a real expression in the past okay and i don't know if it actually was or not <laughs> the goose hangs high is an excellent expression and we should bring it back <laughs> yes except first we have to find out which thing it means well it, it the subjects were told either it means the future looks great or the future looks gloomy and uh regardless of what they were told when they were asked uh what do you think someone who just heard the goose hangs high uh, in a conversation would think it means? They generally always thought they would mean whatever it would mean whatever they were told. So if they were told the future looks gloomy and they were asked, hey, you know, what do you think someone who just heard this session would say would think it means? They're like, oh, yeah, they probably think it means it's gloomy because like. Because uh, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> duh. Everyone knows that. And yeah, I'm the other way around, which was a much more interesting exper experiment in my opinion. Apparently, it does actually mean it's an old-fashioned things are or will be very pleasant, desirable, or merry. Everything is looking up. Okay. So, okay. everybody on the podcast, let's bring it back. The goose hangs high. All right. How's <laughs> your goose? It's hanging high, man. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds vaguely sexual. See the, yeah. It really does. <laughs> but see, for all you guys know, I, I inverted the, the definition I just found. You son of a bitch. <gasps> it's you, okay. You, it? don't, you don't actually know if I did that or not, right? I don't, know. So... But the thing that that was the thing is that you know if th that's the point of the the, the experiment here is yeah. that if you told people it meant one thing they would just believe it and think it's obvious to everyone else. Well, I wouldn't think it's obvious, but well, I mean, not, I believe like you because I think, think you're not that. a dirty liar. They thought they thought listeners would perceive the meaning presented as standard. If okay. you know something, then you you just tend to think that it's obvious to others. That's like, the illusion of transparency. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, yeah, it's all it's just being bad at like the. <laughs> theory of mind thing the 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 really interesting examples at the end where it says two days before germany's attack on poland in world war ii chamberlain sent a letter intended to make it clear that britain would fight if any invasion occurred the letter phrased in polite diplomaties was heard by hitler as conciliatory and the tanks rolled in that's why you don't fuck around when you're writing letters about war <laughs> yeah and you include the words i'm not fucking around <laughs> <laughs> this aggression will not stand man <laughs> yeah, nice yeah, so th th that was basically it. Don't be don't be too quick to blame those who misunderstood your perfectly clear sentences because they're ne they're never all that clear. There was another experiment that wasn't in this uh, post where people would tap a song that's in their head. You know, whether oh, it's yeah. Happy Birthday or some other popular song. I've tested this on people tapping Happy Me Birthday. Nobody can hear it, but and when it sounds insane from your own perspective, try I, it. I know, right? It's great because uh, and people would assume with astonishingly high accuracy i can't remember what it was it was i want to say 70 plus percent maybe maybe 80 or 90 but the majority of people assumed that oh i'm, I'm doing a popular song the person who's listening to me tap will totally know what song i'm doing i'm really confident mm. and they never did mm. or almost never did yeah. 
and uh, it's that's just the illusion of transparency. Well, it's clear to me what I'm doing. How is it not clear to you? Yeah. yeah. Well, that is sort of a way that you can test this, I guess. Yeah, it's a nice at home right. test it yourself, uh, and not just test it yourself, but make it really salient with personal yeah. experience. I was just thinking about like I've run into cases where I've tried to explain to people that like I can't read your mind. And they're like, well, how could you not know? And this would be a good example to bring up. Like, okay, what song is this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's happy birthday. <laughs> because we primed a happy birthday, I actually yeah. knew that one. But yeah. yeah. I was at Walmart and I was getting boxes for my upcoming move. And I noticed that a lot of the boxes they had out said, oh, um, for reuse, each box costs the company a, a dollar. And then there were boxes that did not say that. (laughs) So I walk up to an employee and there's a big cart of unmarked boxes. And then there's a different cart with the marked boxes. And I said, is it all right with you if I take the unmarked boxes (laughs) with me? And they look at me and they're like, no, you can't have the marked boxes. And there's like this two minute excited explanation of why I can't have those. And I let her finish. And then I pointed at the unmarked and I said, unmarked boxes the ones that do not say that i cannot have them and she goes oh yeah yeah fine (laughs) she's probably had to tell people that so many times that it's just like a script that she's primed for but that was an example where (laughs) i was using very clear language (laughs) we both spoke the same language the boxes were there for reference (laughs) but i still failed to come across i needed to point at the boxes as well I'm curious, how different were the unmarked boxes from the marked ones in terms of like physical dimensions and all that? Very different. Okay. So so they probably were just going to throw out the unmarked ones? Absolutely. Okay. Because yeah. I was thinking, did they just forget to mark those? And you nope. got a whole bunch of $1 they're, boxes They're all off incredibly them? clear Okay. and very different. But I thought this was perfect for this discussion where I was just like, huh, could I have phrased that better? Probably not. <laughs> Perhaps I should have Could pointed the first time I said it to add even more information to what I was conveying. It's a thing that comes up fairly often when you're trying to write fiction, too. It's really good sometimes to over-explain. Mm. Uh, to default to over-explaining. Yeah. It, it, so the moral here is be don't be be not too quick be not too quick to blame those for misunderstanding your perfectly perfectly clear sentences spoken or written. Chances are your words are more, more ambiguous than you think. Now, that's just chances. Sometimes you're perfectly clear and they just don't understand you, no. like with the box thing. But the, the moral is that if, if someone, and this actually, you know, I don't know if I started doing this before after I read this post because I read this first 10 something years ago. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I, especially with people close to me, if like we're having a conversation, I'm like, all right, if I say something that is offensive or rude, can you ask me to clarify that? Because I almost certainly didn't mean it that way. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and, you know, good friends, good, good dialogue partners will understand that. And it seldom has come to occasion where they need to point that out. But when it does, we get to skip the whole part where they think I'm being an asshole. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Like you said, it was like 10 years ago. You read this probably the same for me. I actually distinctly remember this uh, sequence post making me a better person Oh. because it makes you so much more willing to give people the benefit of the doubt. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) And also like doing things like, um, Actually, just like asking someone to rephrase something is something I've to this day like done a lot. When I jump to some conclusion, I'm about to start like fighting them about it, or uh, yeah. or also just uh, I've stopped doing the thing of like I don't know if everyone does this, but it, like when when someone would say something I didn't understand, I used to kind of nod because it would be impolite to sort of interrupt them and be like, wait, like 
and do i don't know what salomonov induction is or whatever yeah. but like and now do you ask for clarification more oh, often? all the time and like it's made conversations so much better excellent all right well for next time we are going to be discussing the posts self-anchoring and i gotta ask you guys about this expecting short inferential differences is the one after self-anchoring didn't we already distances did i not say distances D- differences i think oh sorry distances yeah. didn't we already do an entire episode about this i tried to search our archives but i didn't find anything i don't remember we've definitely talked about it but yeah. we can summarize it quickly it sounds like probably one of the ones you would have done before i was on Okay. Since your early episodes were more sort of like explaining rationalist. There's yeah. also the, the wrinkle in your brain that you've recorded a handful of these over the last five years uh, in audio form. Oh, maybe this was one of the ones that I was asked to. You definitely to. spoke this one. I did. I remembered in your voice. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Uh, well, expecting short... Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. This this was one I read just out loud for uh, the H. Primoir podcast back when we were in the middle of waiting for updates. So, yeah, we have not discussed this on the show. So we will also be doing Expecting sor- Short Inferential Distances as the other one, which is, again, a classic. We're hitting a lot of classics here. And if you'd like a refresher before next episode, you can hear it in Inyash's voice. <laughs> yes, you can. Where is it, Inyash? Uh, it's at the H. Primoir podcast, and I will um, add a link to the show notes at thebasingconspiracy.com Toit. Alrighty. We are back and we are going to dive into our topic, which is kind of a touchy topic. Hmm. Um, if people want to know why the fuck did we even come up with this, uh, Stephen and me have a podcast called Not Everything is a Clue where we read and analyze Worth the Candle by Alexander Wales. And about a month ago, we were talking about, um, I don't know, the protagonists having, the protagonists and other people there having possible sex or whatever. And, like, Stephen was all weirded out by it because they're 17. And I was like, whatever, man. They're 17. That's that's totally old enough to be having sex. And Stephen was like, ew, age of consent, though. They're kill children. And uh, I don't know. I, I feel like I was a tad more articulate than that, but that is not an un- <laughs> that is not an unfair summary of my position. Okay. All right. And, you know, I was, I was like, to me, it didn't wasn't that big a deal, partly because, you know, I think teenagers can be mature enough to do that, but also because my first sex partner was when I was a teenager and she was five years my elder. And then uh, my second sex partner was 10 years my elder, but at that point I was in my early 20s. And, like, I've, I've had several significant others with uh, relationships that they had when they were in their twe- teens that were with men in their late 20s. And so, like, I don't know. And so in case it's not clear, the main subject is age of consent. Yes. And so, yeah, <laughs> me and Charlie got to talking after I was talking with Stephen about this whole, like, age of consent is 17 weird thing. And Charlie was like, well, I have stuff to say about that. And so now we are here to say stuff about it. That is that is the short thing, the okay. short version of how we got there. So should we say things about it? Sure, let's <laughs> say things about it. Um, who wants to... I'm waiting for somebody else because I don't actually have a fully formed opinion about this. Uh, somebody influence me. We <laughs> can start with uh, the age of consent as it's defined in Colorado. I was interested in why you earlier said it depends ah yes it probably depends on how old you are right um so i looked at a few websites uh when i was looking up the statutes and i like now you're on a list (laughs) (laughs) sorry (laughs) how how old does the person have to be before i can fuck them legally (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that is an awkward thing to google (laughs) uh so um i liked this uh website by a criminal defense attorney a local one uh h michael stanberg um this episode brought to you by (laughs) (laughs) right uh and uh so what what he wrote is colorado does not define the term age of sexual consent 
Colorado law is written to make the, a determination of whether individuals based on age have the legal capacity to consent to having sex. The age of consent is then determined by what is excluded from the Colorado criminal law. And my head exploded a I little bit. I was about to say, wow, I really like this. They're going to evaluate whether they're emotionally mature enough. Then wait, what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Colorado age of consent explained further. The example one. The alleged victim is under 15, the accused is at least four years older than 15, and is not the spouse of the victim. Okay. <laughs> Wait, is not the spouse? Wait. The older party, party need not be an adult to be guilty of this crime. In fact, juveniles are often charged with this crime in Colorado juvenile court. Consent is not a defense in these cases. Oh my god, is this like the case where like two preschoolers are playing doctor? And the one child is accused of raping the other. I'm just reading <laughs> summary of the law. Example two. <laughs> the alleged victim is between 15 and 17. The alleged perpetrator is at least 10 years older and not the spouse of the victim. <laughs> In case that's not clear, your spousal rape is fine. You uh, get married here. If one of the parties is 15, 16, or 17, and the other is 25, 26, 27, or older, this is also considered statutory rape. But in this situation, by definition, the older party must be an adult to be guilty of this crime and not the spouse of the victim. Also, how are they defining adult if not by age? I was curious about that too from the first example. You said they need not be an adult, but they have to be four years older than 15. And so I thought adulthood was 18. Like I thought you got we were struck trying to lightning. define adulthood here. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he helpfully goes on, two Colorado laws criminalize sex between adults and minors and between minors regardless of consent. I have a problem with this myself. Oh my God. Wait, sorry, can you repeat that? That didn't sink in. Two Colorado laws criminalize sex between adults and minors and between minors regardless of consent. You know why that is? That's because parents wanted the ability to accuse their child who had consensual sex with their partner uh, to accuse the other child of rape. Mm. So like there's it. a misdemeanor and a felony. <laughs> the misdemeanor is a person commits the crime of sexual assault if he or she is 10 years older than a minor who is 15 or 16 years old. I'm just summarizing. The felony. The person commits class 4 felony sexual assault if he or she is at least 4 years older than a minor who is 14 years old or younger. So, so if you're 18 and you sleep with a 14 year old and it's consensual then you are a rapist felony rapist yeah so i i, rapist. I, I think we i i don't want to like just throw out the last 90 seconds but i i don't know if it's worth getting bogged down in the confusing legalese of colorado's particularly or particular definitions of of i just thought the, it might be a good conversation oh, no, to start about it, consent it totally is and it's interesting <laughs> and, it, and it proves that it's it's murky and weird legally um but i almost don't care what the law is okay like just because I don't want what's right and wrong to be constrained by what can be explained to the average judge, um, mm -hmm. especially like if that judge happens to be in one county versus like, you know, across the street in the, in the other county. Mm -hmm. That doesn't seem to legislate. That doesn't seem like that should depend on what is right and wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm really wondering what other states consent laws look like and how like how do, like how much do they all differ from each other just across like the United States? I know Michigan not even bringing in other countries consent laws if they even have them. I don't know all the details behind it, but I know Michigan's uh, you can consent at age 16, which is I looked it up because my, you know, my previous partner said that she could have gotten the, the, the guy she slept with on statutory rape. And I was like, huh. And she grew up in Michigan. I wonder how old she was then. And so she must have been 15 or younger at the time. 
And, you know, I mean, she, she didn't, she, she said it was a great relationship and she, she was happy with it, but she, she, you know, had a, if her parents had disapproved of the relationship, well, if they had found out about it, yeah, yeah, they could have, they could have got him. I think she also kind of had like, you know, a fun kind of kick out of the fact that she could have gotten him on statutory rape. It was sort of like a power, power play kind of thing. That's weird. Yeah, it's, you know, coercion through legal uh, ramifications is tight. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, it's like she did any of that. Just, just no, but, thought that. But because of the implication. Right, right. But I mean, that's that's more of a kink thing. I know. I, I was trying to use the word implication with my den- with my best Dennis stare from It's Always Sunny oh, in Philadelphia. Th- th- whenever you say those words, I always think of that episode. Now. Great. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, when he told me that story, uh, my initial reaction was ew. And then I also had to be like, oh, well. I tend to find power imbalances scenarios sexy, but that's in fantasy land. When yeah. I've actually had power imbalance scenarios in real life, it's never real been sexy. power imbalances in relationships are pretty bad, hmm. in my experience. Yeah. Like, I don't think I've ever been in one with major power imbalances, but I'm definitely on the power imbalances are sexy as hell boat. I think pretty much in, all erotica in has, land, yeah, yeah. Has no, I, I totally agree. In fantasy land, they are very sexy, and in real life, not so much though. Yeah, okay. like uh. You know what, just, I had a partner that was five or six years younger than me at one point, and they were still in college, like, I was graduated and had a job, and I owned a house, and they lived at it, and so it was neither of our fault, but there was definitely a power imbalance there, and I was always aware of it in the back of my mind, and it made me feel creepy, Mm. or, like, made me feel like I had to, I don't know, like... I think it's impossible to have a relationship where there's no power imbalance. I think that's true, but I think that the why, like the the more there is a power imbalance, though, the more potentially dangerous or like bad the situation could be. Um, I, another of my examples is that I had a sexual relationship with one of my college professors for several years. Wow! Um, Whilst they were professing you? No, like we were friends before that, but like I was still in college at the. <laughs> at you... the school that he taught at i just was not in his class okay i was gonna say so, i mean yeah. the, the issue there would be if you're in his class and yeah, yeah that he was like 10 or 11 years older than me and i was a depressed sack of shit because that was right after my friends both died and mm-hmm. so this was clearly like in retrospect i i didn't like this guy i was being taken advantage of the whole time uh he like parasitized my need for support and friendship and then just like got into my pants. Mm. <laughs> and I said, no, the first, actually he got me drunk for the first time that I had ever been drunk oh, damn. and then had sex with me after taking me to his mom's house way up in the mountains. That's so I had no way out really of that. And I said, up. no. And he kept saying, no, you really want it. No, you do. <laughs> so that's and fucking awful. Yeah, yeah that I, is. I will. I will. So that, that's a bunch of power. That's date rape. There. Yeah. Which is rape. And you know what? I told my parents that I was dating a college professor. And my mom said, good for you. They make good money, right? Which, no, he didn't. Yeah. No one. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I, she didn't even raise a brow at that, though, because that was like my, my mom, you know, uh, was like raised like poor and lower class. And this didn't seem unusual to her at all. In fact, like her response was, oh, good. He makes good money, right? Like, <laughs> well, I think there's a lot of reasons to seek out. A partner that has more power like if someone has a lot I of money want to. I, you know if someone has a lot of money and can take care of you that i would find that attractive if like i am in a shitty ass emotional position and they can be stable and help me through things that is that is great like but they could also take advantage of you and you can't protect yourself they could yeah well i mean that's that's a that's not a necessarily a problem with a power imbalance that it's a problem with a shitty person like even someone who is poor and trashy and sucks can take advantage of someone and and use them in that terrible way. I saw 
Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I saw a comedian on Friday night named Matthew Broussard, and his girlfriend um, works in marketing or finance or something and makes four times what he makes, mm-hmm. or at least what he did in 2020, because, mm-hmm. you know, comedy was hard last year. Um, and so he's he's perfectly aware that, like, and they share an apartment in New York. And so he's like, obviously, she wins all the fu- Like, we don't fight. Okay. Because there's, there's, there, what am I going to do? Like, go threaten to sleep in the hall? Like, so he's making fun of this power imbalance. But the other thing, there was another, the part, the reason I, I chuckled to myself was he had a joke about, like, she asked if I'd ever leave her. And he had said, well, it'd have to be a very competitive offer. <laughs> nice. Yeah. But, uh, I realized we're talking serious stuff, but injecting levity into serious stuff is my go to. Yeah, that was like, um, breaking the tension. So, it's also skills. kind of a problem. Like, does that mean the more successful you get, the, less you can date people and do you have to break up with someone who still isn't successful do you have to turn down raises like yeah it's, so i mean that I, I do agree that like it's more about the person than like you know the power imbalance right right it's not your fault that you're big enough to beat me up but if, if it was just like, if it came to blows privilege like it's not your fault that you're like white cis male hmm. but it is something to take into account I did not realize that until I was well into my first relationship that one of the things she really liked about me was that I was white. Being oh being the ethnic majority of whatever country you're in is, you know, a form of power and a thing people seek out. So I was like, huh, okay. I mean. Did that feel good? Like, no, I, it, I feel like that would feel, feel kind of it felt gross a little, for me. It, like, it, it did I, feel gross. It yeah. felt weird because I was like, oh, I didn't know that. And that's not something I care about about myself, but I'm glad you like it. Like, it would be like if someone was like, I think it's really hot that your hair is brown or something. I'm like, okay, that's just the way it was born. But if that you like it, that's cool. political charge. Well, yeah, but <laughs> I mean. I think. Yeah. Well, maybe a little. There's definitely hair politics where, like, black hair. Oh, my gosh. Comes yes. into play. <laughs> How about, kind of ethnic hair. But like your height. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. People, people are uh, stereotypically and not, uh, you know. Just to, as long as we're getting canceled, stereotypes exist for a reason. Women like tall guys, right. as long as I'm super generalizing, right? Yes. And so... No, you can poll uh, women, and the majority of women like tall guys. It's right. like a, um evolutionary biology thing. Oh, yeah. I'm Come just saying, any, any t- anytime, you say, <laughs> anytime you say anything about, like, you know, that sweeping, people get mad. Um, but anyway, so, like, you don't get to control how tall you are, not without drastic surgery, right? right. right? So, you know, if you're, if you're to get rid of that imbalance or unfair advantage, are you to go get leg reduction surgery like, that seems like a huge cost imposing yourself for having been born to be what six foot i mean far weirder than the fact that i'm white is that when i lost a lot of weight and actually started being i don't know conventionally attractive i guess i'd spent my entire life being you know the nerd that no one found attractive and then once that happened like the difference in the way people treated me even though i was more or less the same person was just shocking i changed my hair color a lot uh i mean I used to even more before you guys knew me, like I'd have a different hair color and it would be like bright green or bright orange. I went through the like spectrum of colors and I found that even like having unnaturally dyed hair, people treat you really different if you have green versus red versus black hair. Right. So, I mean, I guess, you know, height is a form of power in the same way that like being attractive is also a form of power. It can get you what you want. Yeah. Attractive, tall people get more raises and... More people vote for them, and and, and they have shorter get... lifespans, so it evens out. Yeah, but um. you can just get people to do what you want more if you're attractive. Take that, tall, like, pretty oh, people. Honey, won't you do that for me? And you're like, okay, yeah, you're hot as shit. That uh, um, as long as you're talking about hair, Jace's hair currently <laughs> is purple and blue, and has like an it's swept to the side with like an undercut. Looks fucking awesome. It's like Cyberpunk 2077. Yeah. But I, what does all of this have to do with? <laughs> that, that's what, that's what I'm curious about. So we're talking about you know convoluted relationship dynamics, and that's that's more something that I 
you know, that that's a fun conversation, but I'm curious what the stances were on uh, aging consent that were interesting enough to talk about. Um, right now I'm reading an interesting book, which I picked up actually in preparation for this. And maybe our next episode will be about this particular book about uh, how teens in Western societies are traumatized by how they're infantilized. And I'll get more into that, I guess, in our next episode. But uh, is it by Jordan Peterson? It is not. <laughs> it is actually by a guy who worked directly with B.F. Skinner. Snowflakes. Yeah. But no, it, it, it's not that. No, I'm, I'm joking, but I actually think there might be a point there. Yeah. <laughs> no, no it's, it's a very interesting book. Um, but I, uh, what I am trying to say is that uh, in the U.S. and maybe in all Western society, I don't know, but definitely in the U.S., uh, relationships between people who are uh, in their teens and people who are in their 20s or older are insanely stigmatized to the point where like when we were recording our episode Stephen, you made the comment about like do you really want to be that guy who's 23 and comes picking up his girlfriend from high school in his car and like no i don't that that feels gross just thinking about it but i think it feels gross because of how i was socialized by society because i can see why um a teenager could find someone who is older like that attractive and not only that if they weren't a skeevy person, I can see it like working out and being just fine. You can learn a lot from an older person. When I yeah. first had sex, we were both virgins and I don't think that was great for either of us. I think we would have been better off if we had uh, if we had um, started with someone a little bit more experienced. The person that I was dating who was much younger than me uh, told like, <laughs> I think I actually brought it up like when they asked me out. Like I was like, oh, there's like there's a weird age gap. You're, are you sure like you're you're not weirded out by that? And they were like, my parents have a bigger age gap, and like they have a great relationship. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not worried. And I was like, huh, I never thought of that because your parents are both old, and I never think of those big different ages. I I have a good intuition pump for this. Maybe uh, like I had I had a friend when I was like, when I was growing up, and her parents were like 14 years apart. I think that the dad was older, and I had joked at least they didn't meet when he was in high school, right? <laughs> So I, right. I I feel like this is a good intuition pump because at some point that's exactly what I was thinking though because like at at the younger ages when the when the people are younger when the people involved are younger then like it is more skeevy for people if it's like a fifty six year old and a forty six year old nobody would care no, Th- that 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 that's that's what I was trying to to intuit there was like I think I'm not sure where and I'm curious where people are coming down on this the if there's a magic line or what the you know magic oh, number is or whatever there's an equation but. My what, what, age plus seven. Well, yes. That 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 aside, I'm I'm just thinking like I think we can. I I I is there a baseline? You know, if she was seven and he was twenty one, would that be copacetic among everybody or not? No, absolutely no. not. No. Okay, <laughs> she so, so, hasn't sexually developed yet. So so we have a baseline. That's definitely yeah. pedophilia. Well, yeah. so well, I mean, uh, <laughs> and that should be a crime what, sexually what, what, or what, emotionally what, or like. When you when you say sexually developed, you just mean like able to menstruate. Or like has boobs or... I mean, those are definitely partial indicators. It's more a question of... There's like physical maturity and, and men- like emotional, mental... What's the word I'm looking for? Help me. Like what what, <laughs> what if she's mentally... And this is getting us too far afield. Like if she's mentally mature-ish, whatever a mm-hmm. 17-year-old can be mentally mature as, but happens and, you know, is is uh, yeah, say she, a, say a, able is to James menstruate. Potter, uh, but... Harry James Potter, Evans Varies, and Professor Snape. No, like... no, I'm, I'm just thinking like, oh, yeah, that'd be a funny <laughs> intuition pump too because he's an adult in a kid's body. But um, the, uh, I mean, I, you, you said no because it's pedophilia. I don't even want to say like that's the, that's the reason it's wrong because like if she was 18, but she happens to look 12, you know, and 
they were both cool with it, right? Mm-hmm. And he's he's fifty and he loves there it. Then it's not pedophilia. Because of a magic number? Because she's 18? No, because, because of developmental mo- stages in an actual mature. human being's but, uh, life. Yeah. Oh, well, see, to me, the pedophilia I thought was less about being, and I'm not a not an expert on pedophilia. I, th- I figured it was more about the physical attraction to the to the shape of the person that you're into, not about their mind. The thing no. That, yeah, I think the thing that me and Charlie uh, object to is having a relationship, sexual relationship with someone who is not at the developmental stage where they can handle that. This actually just strikes me as a power imbalance argument. Okay. So, I, don't think it I is. mean, from, from my perspective, I think that's what it is. But uh, I, I really have to interject here. This is something I feel incredibly strong about, okay? As someone who was victimized by actual pedophiles before I had any kind of sexual development in my body or brain whatsoever, someone calling a distasteful arrangement between a 17 year old young adult pedophilia is infuriating. Infuriating. A 17-year-old has way more agency than a five-year-old, for example, just throwing numbers out there. And to suggest that they don't is an injustice to actual victims of pedophilia. And it it also really harms a 17-year-old young adult. Yeah. Like, Like, ooh, that gets me so upset. And I I see it happening in the news. And when I'm Tumblr. So well, it's one of those things you can stuff, witch hunt but... people for. Like if you draw yeah. like a sexy picture of Steven Universe, but he's aged up to be 18. Yeah. And you have like, have it tattooed, I am 18 on his chest. People will still call you a pedophile because that's art that's based off of a character from a children's show. And children might be on Tumblr and they might see it because yeah. they're looking for Steven Universe art. And then they might traumatize themselves yeah. and it's your fault. Yeah. Charlie, how old were you? Call the you... cops. How old were you when you moved out? 15. Yeah. So at 15, you like had your own job and were paying for your own living expenses. Yeah. And driving myself to high school and yeah. Basic- traveling. Right. I mean, basically a competent adult. <sighs> a little bit um, immature yeah. for an adult, but... I was inexperienced. Yeah. Inexperienced. That That is the word I was looking for. Yeah. I was never dumb, yeah. but I was definitely inexperienced. And, uh, you know, only time can cure that. Uh, but at the time where you're paying your own rent, like, I think... <laughs> you can start making some of your own life decisions and perhaps they will be mistakes. But like one of the things I've been banging my drum about for two years and have started thinking I should apply to teenagers as well is that people should have the right to be wrong, to make their own mistakes and not have, you know, their choices taken away from them because other people think it's a mistake what you're doing. Uh, This, I think, and I, I, I hope I didn't imply some equivocation between 17-year-olds and 40-year-olds and 20-year-olds no, no, and 5-year-olds. But, but, but people do. and I. But yeah. you did ask, like, where's the line? And I'm like, oh, I'm really confident there's a line. <laughs> well, so and I, I feel very strongly that there should be a legal line and there should be a magical number. Absolutely. We do need to protect children from abuse. Right. And I, I, and I agree. I think that... We also need to not abuse young adults. Yeah. And not all seventeen-year-olds like, are children. Are you saying like by possibly taking a- very few? Um, are you saying by taking away their agency, like uh, you're saying you don't want to abuse young children by sexual trauma, and you don't want God, to abuse this is deep. Like seventeen-year-olds like by infantilizing them. Uh, I wrote something down. Let me find it. Well, not, I'm I just don't... trying to see if that's your point, yeah. Charlie. So, uh, my point is that consent is everything. Like damage is greatest when autonomy is not respected. So like being objectified by others and the reaction of authority figures, peers, family to a young person having sex can be far more harmful than the sex act itself or the sexual relationship. I, yeah, that's what I thought. I have experienced 
this. I, I agreed to get in this because this is really important to me and I actually have a lot, I have things to say and it's important. Um, I'll just, I'll just throw out an example. You know, um, the legal age of consent uh, at the time when I was 14 was 14. And, you know, uh, someone would say, well, you know, how can a 14 year old if, if, know if they've been harmed better than an 18 year old, right? When you're an adult officially. And I was just like, that is absolutely possible. I mean, uh, as a sexually abused child, I had experienced sexual situations and their social personal repercussions beyond what many older adults had. Um, and if people that were deemed fit to have authority over my person had less experience than I did with how sex affects you both in a context of with other people and internally. And so I had experienced non-consensual sexual interactions enough to be absolutely certain when I gave consent. So, but you know, you know, you is the, is the thing, right? And that makes perfect sense. Like to. Charlie, yeah, I, I think law. is also a really like, was a really mature 14 year old. Um, mm -hmm. I think Charlie definitely probably as, as you're describing it as a 14 year old, you could give consent. Uh, other 14 year olds. Definitely. I think were like, I've known 14 year olds that. <laughs> Could not have. That were very, very immature. Well, the problem is that That's... the presumption is that no 14-year-old can, yeah. and they're all treated that way. And not only are the 14-year-olds barred from making that decision, but uh, anyone that they were to sleep with would then be jailed and Even have their was, life yeah. permanently ruined due to sex offender registries. And yeah. that is, you know, probably not something the mature 14-year-old wants to happen and to the, their partner. Yeah, the 14 and the 18-year-old, I think, like, again, I've known 14 and 18-year-olds that have a wide range of, like, emotional ages. And consensual sex, I think, between a 14 and an 18-year-old, like, if you, like, the first part of the law actually sounded really good, where it was, we're going to evaluate the sort of emotional maturity level of these people. And then That's they had to throw all the, the law. yeah, then yeah, they had to put all. all that shit in at the end. That... See, um, I guess I guess... That's what I'm curious about is how you would possibly do that. Yeah. Like, so that's where I think it makes yeah. sense to have, have magic numbers. You know, it's like, yes. you know, there's, there's, there's no, there's nothing that happens you know, on your 365th day after being 17, you know, at midnight, you're struck by lightning and now you're cognizant enough to sign a loan and vote, right? Yeah. It's just, we have, a, we have a number. Our local laws as they stand are aberrant. They made me sick reading them. I think that is a form of like child abuse in itself and, and, and also just totally abusive young adults. Um, yeah, like this actually just, part of that law is specifically giving parents the right to veto their children's relationships. And... Which it's I, basically <laughs> exemplar. Uh, it it does not recognize that sexual abuse can exist within married couples. Oh yeah, the so spousal thing was horrible. It also it, gives the parents the ability to sell their children child into oh, a marriage basically. if they're not ready for it. Yeah. Is that why that's there? I don't know, but it it churned my stomach reading like the details. So, the the bigger problem, in my opinion, with the whole consent thing is that um, how, how? the way we are taught to interact and think about sex has a lot of problems because of purity culture and it's still distorting. It's still distorting and distorting sex and also like just basically hurting everybody. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how else making to put everything it. shitty. That like, sex is sinful and you shouldn't be allowed to sin until you're of the age of majority. That that sex is only okay in 
like uh, sanctioned arrangements between X and Y and only under these circumstances. And the laws reinforce this. And sex is still written. kind of gross, but we can't really prohibit you from doing it. Like Okay, and stage. then there's there's the sexual double standards that come from purity culture because of pregnancy and fatherhood and legitimacy. And it just, you, you can dig this, you can, you can be lost in a well, never see sunlight again if you just dig to the bottom of this. But regret does not equal abuse. And we need to demythologize how we present sex to everyone, not just children. This myth that sex is somehow implies this deeper relationship between the people that have sexual contact, mm. false. The fact that sex is only okay and not harmful under certain situations that like that are socially condoned, too. false. Yeah. Like, yeah, the fact I've, I've that I've also been raped a bunch of times. Yeah, uh, and I hate that. Like, there's um, people that I can't convince that like I'm okay about it now. Like, actually, like th that wasn't the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Like, it was. It's bad, <laughs> but like you know what? Like, I don't want to be like treated like oh abuse victim pat pat. Oh, we can't say like things around like I don't you know. Yeah, I don't want to be treated like a survivor of uh like like nine eleven or something. I don't yeah. know because I'm like yeah that happened. It was bad. Like. I've processed it. I've moved on. <laughs> Richard Richard Dawkins got in some water uh, some years and years ago when he disclosed that when he was a child, some he said he was mildly um, mildly raped or something. Was this something about elevator gate? Maybe it I don't know when this came out. out but I think it was years after. Later. I think it was after that. Yeah. But you know, he'd already sort of been like in this position of. Um, sorry that. You should finish your thought. I was going to say, apparently he was like in the backseat of a car and a priest felt him up, you know, under his pants. And when he was a kid, he just processed that as yucky and it was nothing. Yeah. Like it was, it was weird. Not, not literally nothing, but it was like, that was gross. All right. I'm going to go home and do whatever British kids do. Right. Go shower now. Yeah. Or, or maybe not even that. Maybe it wasn't even that kind of yucky. It was just, you know, weird. And he went home and played video games or whatever the British equivalent of that was 70 years ago. Um, like, I, I guess uh, I bring that up because... I'm I, I'm making up no I don't know oh, I'm just okay, okay. uh I I I brought that up because you were saying that like you didn't like people shoving you in a box and you know yeah. necessitating that this was the worst thing that happened uh, to you the, when uh, when in yours was obviously way worse I'm assuming way worse but like it doesn't it didn't define you as a person right and so like the reason that I brought up Dawkins was because as soon as he talked about this people were like oh that's why you hate religion and it's like no yeah. I have other reasons um <laughs> This 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 wasn't even you know didn't make the top fifty right uh, so I not really making much of a point there other than yeah this is that was unfortunate because he brought that up to invalidate the I think somebody like that he'd been having the elevator gate like argument for a while and this was just um really disappointing for me because Richard Dawkins was like my hero at the time and uh, it was uh, Rebecca Watson who was one of the other uh, hosts on the Skeptics Guide to the Universe. And she was fantastic. She's yeah. Still, <laughs> I miss still her. Still whisper miss her, yeah. And she had like a, a creepy guy uh trying to hit creepy on her in the elevator. Read as not hot. Uh oh god. <laughs> no, we're I, gonna have to have I know, an right? episode about elevator gate or to no, elevator gate if we get I, any deeper I, into this. I'm prepared to leave the show for an episode about elevator gate. Uh, um, <laughs> so Steven draws the line. So I, okay. I just I, I, I can shut up about it. No, 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 no. I, I, I don't want to shut down the part of the conversation. I'm also just wondering how far a field that's getting us from it's anything us a bit in, too far interesting worth talking about. I, I, well, if anyone's about, curious like, about Elevator Gate, there's a, I'm sure there's a a volume of internet articles on it 
the height of uh, your house. Yeah. So the only reason I wanted to bring it up is because uh, that was just my memory of like the moment when I was like, no, Dawkins. Oh, <laughs> oh I, I feel see. like a bunch of my idols all like at the time I like found out shit about them, and I like remember writing in my journal like, no more heroes, like no gods, no heroes, no something. Uh, that's a dope ass <laughs> thing to put in your diary. Yeah. Also, um, sounds like a title for a novel needs to be written. It, no, no gods, no heroes. It's from something, and I'm not getting the quote <laughs> right, but anyway. Uh, there's a uh, Scott Alexander post recently, "The Rise and Fall of Online Culture Wars," hmm. um, that doesn't talk that about was so Elevator Gate, but. It talks like this elevator gate happened in the middle of all this stuff. Okay. And uh, so, I mean, it it was interesting. This was just a weird time in internet history, too. But I, 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 um, I, I want to lead up to what I have to say about the age of consent, because I think context is important. Uh, so I was sexually abused by several adults and many other children, both repeatedly and in random, like single occurrences on a regular basis from about the age of four to 13. And all of these encounters involve some form of violence, intimidation, threats. Somewhere within, like, uh, sometimes it was, like, the individuals on their own, and sometimes multiple offenders worked in concert. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Uh, no one who abused me was punished legally or extra-legally, like, by society in any fashion. Okay? I, however, was punished for being a victim consistently. I was socially ruined uh, what were you wearing, and emotionally devastated by the time I was six. As a sexual abuse survivor, I was thrust into a world where there was clearly no safe harbor or refuge. Because of rape culture, victim blaming, all this purity shit, I was unable to escape being re-victimized and abused until I moved away at 17. I had to literally move away from the community to be treated like a human being. And that scarred me way worse than the physical violence and the sexual assaults ever did. Hmm. The fact that I was treated so poorly as a result of being preyed upon was fucking devastating. Like this, the, <sighs> I have like two examples of icky relationships like that people would condemn these men for that I'd like to share contextually because it means a lot to me. Like, uh, yeah, we're listening. So that I can summarize. Yeah, please do. Like why I, I feel so strongly about this. So <laughs> uh, I will make it as brief as I can. Uh, so these situations would be illegal in a current Colorado law, but I grew up in Hawaii, which had different laws at the time. So I was 15. I met a 20-year-old that I wanted to have sex with. Uh, he was interested in me until he found out I was 15, and he mentioned he didn't want to end up in jail because we dated. Fair. So being the nerd I was, I went to the library when with the help of the librarian, I found the law books and I started researching. Okay. I found the pertinent statues. I photocopied them. I highlighted the relevant <laughs> sections. I brought them to him and I showed him the statutes, explained to him that I understood the law. I reassured him about his concerns. And yeah, that was a precious moment. So we continued dating. I actually dating. had to do that with my first sexual partner too because hey, congrats. he was younger than Yay, me. Yay, nerds. <laughs> um, so we continued dating uh, for about a year. He moved away. Then I traveled to Florida to visit him once. Uh, he proposed marriage shortly after that visit. I said no. <laughs> I didn't hear from him again until I was 19 when he moved back to the island. We dated again for about four months and then I realized I'd outgrown him and I ended things. Um, when I was 15, uh, later that after I had that other guy moved away. I met a 31-year-old man at a party. And I told him uh, my age. 
31. Okay. No, you were... 15. Okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, Same so you were 15, he was 31. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I, I told my age before we exchanged contact information, and he lived on Oahu, a different island. I lived on the big island. So we chatted on the phone, called each other for about a month or so, even exchanged a couple letters, just kind of getting acquainted. Uh, maybe eight weeks had passed, and I heard there was a concert on Oahu. So I asked him if he'd like to go with me. He agreed to come. He asked me if I wanted to stay for a long weekend at his place. We didn't talk about having sex, but I knew he wanted to, and I was interested. So he picked me up at the airport. We had a great time. I insisted on safe sex. He complied without complaint, and I enjoyed him so much I visited him about a month later, and then we never saw each other. And, you know, a lot of people, <laughs> in comparison to the ways the sexual touch was experienced for me outside of those examples, my relationships with those two men were some of the healthiest encounters that I had as a young adult. And they stood out to me because I gave consent, I pursued, uh, versus not giving consent or being asked for consent. I was also treated with respect by both men. They protected me from pregnancies and STDs. It was either my idea or their suggestion. Both men spent non-sexual time with me and invested me as a person by sharing experiences. I was treated like a person versus an object, whereas by everyone else, I was an object. And I... I was also not defamed by either of these people when I decided to end the relationship. They didn't go around saying, calling me names, telling people I was a whore or an easy lay or any of the stuff that my abusers did, yeah. by the way. And I still think of them fondly, both of them. And I hope that they aren't traumatized by their relationship with me. And I absolutely do not feel that way about anyone else I had sexual encounters with when I was, before I was a young adult. I don't have any kind feelings towards any date rapists or sexual predators I've encountered in my lifetime. And it all comes down to my consent being respected. And if the and your, law your doesn't respect consent, my ability to consent, like your, uh, that's a problem for yeah. everyone. It, it creates more problems yeah. and trauma. Absolutely. If I... Mm. This is different than our usual thing in which we talk about heavy stuff, but it's all this nice, you know, navel gazy, you know, <laughs> distant armchair stuff. Not talking about somebody who's been through some shit, right? And not talking to somebody about that and then saying, well, let's abstract that away and think about it distantly. Um, <laughs> so I, I don't know if I'm prepared to engage too much on it just because I don't know exactly how to navigate that. Um, I I can try, but I, 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 again, it's different, you know, if we're talking about some obscure you know, whatever we were talking before about, you know, the death of everybody on a continent and that's like, Oh, nothing. Right. Yeah, sure. And now we're talking about, you know, one small stupid, you know, or maybe not so small, but one stupid law. And now it's, now it's suddenly a big, it, and it, and it, it is a big deal because it's more salient and, and close. Um, when I was talking with Charlie about this four weeks ago, when it first came up, um, I kind of, I was having the same sorts of qualms and opinions as you like where, yes, there are, there are young adults who can and should be able to consent and sign legal contracts and all that. But as a society, we have this law that draws a line at a number because it's easier that way. And we don't have a mind reading machine yet. Well, like, I mean, there's not like a even... meter you can stick against someone's head that says emotionally mature or not like on a spectrum. I don't so. think the laws are based on. No, that. clearly not that at yeah. all. I think they're based well, on the first cultural half of it was. And I think actually, I think a lot of the laws are based on now that I've been reading this book, are based on the explicit uh, 
explicit intention to control young adults. Yeah, and commodification and, of them. Yeah, yeah. Well, that one, this one is, of them is, is specifically there, like, clearly, so parents can veto their children's relationships. That's yeah. That's awful. Yeah. It and is. And, like, and so I, I have the same thing. Parents problem. are basically I, anybody who disapproves, actually. I, I still think it's going to be an issue to change society about this thing, Hell but yeah. I think it's a good fight now that I've been reading this book because, like, the guy proposes an actual... Um, method of measuring emotional maturity in, oh. in is it not people. the equation uh, sounds like I, I should read the book i actually think the <laughs> equation what was it half half your uh no no it's not the equation no what was it though uh, half your age plus seven yeah, right. i actually feel like that's it's better than the law we have now right like charlie would you <laughs> would you agree that if uh half your age plus seven like if the person is older than that then like that's too big of an age gap then she well, couldn't have sex with the 31 year old dude mm. So, I don't like any of these fucking formulas. Yeah. All right? Yeah. Uh, but we do need a bottom aid. And I, agree with I that. think <laughs> that looking at like physiological and social development, we should come up with an age and like I think it should be 14 or 15. And I also think that the law has to be the law has to be explicit so that it can be enforced. I think that's However, that doesn't work in reality <laughs> when you're dealing with something as complex as a I think competency there actually should at least maturity. be like a panel of judges or something like have I, them have yeah. a psychologist i mean there is so ways perhaps, to measure people's competency yeah. right so i think that the law though. should have a hard age a hard age bracket where competency can be called into question and this is how you resolve the question and it doesn't right have- now the the young adult has no agency and yeah. they are deemed incompetent by the yeah. law and that's and they have literally no not rights. okay well there's one or two okay. special rights carved out for them but they don't have any of the rights that are afforded to most adults under the constitution and not considered full humans yet. exactly yeah you yeah. are still your parents property more the, or less the laws really like and if you take into account like drinking age mm-hmm. i always found it hilarious that uh i think a lot of people do you can i think when you're 18 um can you join the military yeah they like, actually lowered the drinking age to uh no, they lowered the voting age oh. to 18 because... Oh, okay. But, but you be, still can't drink until you're you still 21. Can't drink you can die. Yeah. You, you can go overseas and kill people and die when you're 18, but you can't have a beer. <laughs> Although apparently those uh, drinking laws are rarely enforced on military bases, the, the age. <laughs> well, I should hope not because yeah. if you're 18 and you've been sent overseas to go kill people and die, you should at least be able to have a beer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's... there's a, a, you, I mean, you said that it would be very expensive to test competency, but I don't think it would be that expensive. Like we test people's competency at operating a fucking two-ton vehicle that hurdles that at 60 miles per hour but down we down. don't do it well. well i'm sure we don't do it great but we do it well enough I don't no think... we don't oh it, it, and whether or not we do like i mean <laughs> I, i'm not trying to trying to i'm 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 kind of putting a, a foot down on this because i don't think that measuring competency is a thing that is doable in general and solves the problem like that's that's why you I think have, having something in place, like have a psychologist analyze the person and give their verdict, would be at least better than what we have now. It, it may be, but then you, you know, you, you get a psychologist who hates black people, and so whenever yeah. the the, the guy is black, opinion. well, but then how do you, how do you, how many opinions do you get to have? Like that's the thing is that, that, that that's that what makes this perfect, that's what makes I this think. really hard and convoluted. Where like if you just say, look, if they're not eighteen, they don't get to do it. Whatever it is, drink whatever. I mean, like, I could see a law that, like, once you are eighteen, you can no longer be denied your competency rights, no matter what. See, that but, sounds stupid too. But I, but by the same metrics, right? Why do you, why do you suddenly become competent on your eighteenth if you can, if you can, if you can be competent on when you're seventeen? My, 
this goes into what I want to say in two weeks, but my personal metric is kind of once you can cause problems for, by, to the political machine by taking up arms, that's when they have to start considering you competent. And that is why there is so much effort put into suppressing teenagers right now. Of course, now. this is Ilyash's opinion. Yeah, of course, it. this is my opinion, yes. How, <laughs> how often did you like daydream about just like storming the government as a child? Uh, very often. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't the government because I, it wasn't the government oh, it wasn't oppressing like me. Teachers or yeah, it was it was teachers, yeah. it was parents, it was the people that were actually and holding fucking me authority back. figures. Actually, mm -hmm. um Charlie brought up about Puritanism. Uh I grew up in a town that was settled by Puritans and still uh this, the place I went to school actually has drinking prohibited because they kept the Puritan laws. Uh the section in we, we were forced they were forced to teach us sex ed because of a law, but um because of I think school boards and parents objecting, they took the textbooks and they ripped out the page the sections about um contraception. Oh. So they're denying you agency <laughs> because they the ability that, to make decisions for yourself. They thought that if their teenage children had like knew that you could have sex safely, then they would do it. Ah, well, I mean, <laughs> well, they weren't wrong <laughs> necessarily. They're not wrong, but they, they're still going to do it anyway. But they're yes. going to get STIs in pregnancies. What, what's fun about that is they put on like the big slide where it's like, here's all the consequences of having unprotected sex, yep, STDs, pregnancies, and then here's all the consequences when you have sex with a condom. They click the slide and nothing changes. <laughs> and so, like, all they're doing there is making a great argument for raw dogging it, right? Yeah. Like, well, hey, in for a penny, in for a pound, right? right. If, if wearing a condom does nothing, I might as well not wear one. Yeah. Um, like, I guess. For I'm me, going to hell already anyway. On slide five, it shows me burning in hell. So. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, there's, yeah, there's, uh, wasn't Nihilism. that one of the things in um, Unsung? You know, you're, if, you, if you've already sinned, which everyone has, you're basically going to hell no matter what. So, like, just go all out. Mm. And if you Hitler hard enough, then you get an awesome place in hell. <laughs> yes. um, oh, so, anyway, I guess um, I, I, uh. I don't understand quite what it would mean to, like, to have these competency measures that could be exercised in a consistent way. Like, you know, I mean, what agency does a 15-year-old have? I don't think that they have the grasp. And it, it depends on the 15-year-old, which is why you have magic numbers that are usually after 15 for stuff. But, like, uh, you don't let a 15-year-old sign on a on a student loan that'll sum to $120,000, right? But you let a 17-year-old do it, as John Mulaney has yeah, hilariously I, pointed I out. I think that for those, you tend to have to have adult co-signers, right? Um, and so maybe? like for for i know but that as he pointed out that when he signed it at 17 he had no fucking clue what it meant i think you know, he, it, but but he's but he's also a comedian like telling a joke i think that he had to have a parent there to co-sign it it's because and we're he... so grossed out by sex that we couldn't have like a parent co-sign like, well so that's what i'm saying this this that might that, like that might be an argument here but we also we also have you, there's also been an issue raised with parents like owning their kids but yeah. i'm also kind of hugely in favor of that like if well, you're if you're a stupid kid who doesn't want to get any adult like if you could co-sign if you could get any adult to co-sign that you're emotionally mature enough to have a relationship, like, or I mean, maybe like teachers or I don't know. That, that might be something, but then you'd still be like at the whim of your parents. But like, um, I, so part of me, part of me likes that because being at the whims of your parents, because like, if you're a stupid kid who doesn't want to get vaccinated because you think needles are scary or because you're an anti-vax lunatic and you're, right, you and you're 11. You can talk about that because like, um, sex is so gross that you can't talk about it. Sure. But I guess that, like, whatever, whatever my kids' reasons are for not wanting to get a vaccine I'd be like, tough shit. You're not dying of measles in this house, young man. Like, I. So I, you're talking about a nine-month-old. Well, whatever. Admit, let's let's pretend it's a, it's a vaccine you get at eleven, right? Where where we all agree they're too young for sex and they're all too young to, to sign to sign mortgages or yeah. or loans, yeah. but old enough to talk, mm -hmm. right? So I mean, I I guess 
I, I guess once you start getting into your teens, 13, 14, you start getting more responsibilities. And if you do make the wrong choices, sometimes you just have to let people make the wrong choices. The same way we let people vote for the other party or, uh, or, take or out vote a at church or take out a loan. Yeah. Or go gambling or take drugs because you're fucking, you can't run other people's lives for them that much. And the amount of control you can have over other people's lives should start diminishing in your early teens and diminish more as you get older and you show greater responsibility. Not just be like, you're an infant, you're an infant, you're an infant, all the way till you're 18, and then suddenly, boom, go wild. Like, that's just a recipe for disaster on both sides of that 18-year-old line. Yeah, I mean, I guess, and this is getting us away from the, the aging consent stuff, but it's like, you know, I... I can't control what my friends do because we're all adults and that's part of what's involved with that. But if I had a kid who was 15, old enough to drive, not legally, mm-hmm. old enough to drink, not legally, mm-hmm. and I don't want to take away their agency, you know, to get shithoused and drive home from 60 miles away. Like, oh no, I don't want to impute on their, their ability to make their own decisions. And then they kill a family of four and two of the people in the car were pregnant, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like it's, an adult could do this that This is too. why I know, but, we have but, separate but, laws as, about... But, but as a parent, I think you have a... You have a, a an obligation to be not just like the cosigner on loans and stuff for a kid and to make sure they, they get enough food. You're like, like, you're to steward them into a safe and responsible adulthood. Yeah, but what you the, were describing is negligence. Someone but, would but, just but, say, but, but, go you, do but, whatever, but you, you do, guide them. But you do that by taking away their agency. No. <laughs> this makes me so, think of... Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like let them we, make that mistake. Like, uh, this is why we have separate laws for the age of sexual consent that we do for driving joining the military this is not the same issue and i think that like legally and ethically we're wasting our time trying to compare them I, I did not I, the same i did acknowledge that they weren't uh, the same and then yeah, went on to go and yeah. go ahead and talk about it you're right yeah <laughs> and like we all of course we want to protect children especially as a parent you want to protect your child like but the other thing is that we all make decisions without the ability to truly understand the repercussions of the choices we make because none of us can predict the future. We all have made decisions we regret and will continue to make mistakes in the future. It's reasonable to expect people to make better decisions as they gain knowledge and experience with age, however, implying that underage people have no ability to make decisions or that it's not okay for them to make mistakes. That the, like, treating sex as though the cost of having it is so high, we just have to absolutely slap that off the table, right. is ridiculous. Right. It's damaging, and it's ridiculous. And, like, regret does not equal abuse. That's part of the, mytholog- the mythology of sex. Like, oh, this person abused me they, because um... the relationship ended poorly, or they don't love me anymore. It's like, I... that... That is part of like the r- romanticization of sex. Sex is not the same thing. They actually have uh, laws about abortion based on the idea that they said you you will regret having an abortion. Yes. Mm-hmm. Hey, I tried to get uh, Wait, that's sterilized just all as women. a young woman. <laughs> oh, I right tried in my twenties. I tried in my late twenties. I tried again in my thirties, and all. In in like all oh, three like, times, you might change your mind. All three the- times, I was given absolutely no agency over my own goddamn <laughs> body because someone else might feel bad if I regretted my decision or get sued. And it was like, oh, I'm sorry, you're female and you don't really know what you want. Biology says you must breed, and then we can sterilize you. And I'm like, 
that's them not treating you like an adult until you're in yes! your 40s. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> but, but there's no... They, like, that's literally it. I, I was way beyond 18. That's not having bodily autonomy. I don't want to get on that subject. I'm just <laughs> saying that this does tie into the fact that the commodification of the female body, purity culture, is tied into the way we think about sex and treat young adults. And when they're, experien- when they're exploring sex, they are exploring sex. Yeah. And we need to provide them with guidance and support and treat them in ways that are healthy for them, not make it a traumatizing experience where someone gets thrown in jail or they feel like they're supposed to be upset because they were raped, apparently. Yeah. Also, like, their whole life is ruined, regardless rape. of whether they were raped or the rapist. Like, Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yes. I like, think this also has ugh. further bad knock-on effects because, like, I would not consider dating anyone in their teens or even at this point, probably their early 20s. Um, And the thing is, like, some teens will still want relationships with older people. And I think some teens would even benefit from relationships with good older people. But since all the good older people are like, fuck that, I'd be (laughs) creepy if I was dating a teen, even if it was legal in the state, I'm not going to do it. So the only people left that are willing to date teens are the people who are abusive and will exploit that power rather than you know helping someone and being kind and and accommodating like your partners were. yeah that's why we're creating problems um i think we're also talking about a lot of stuff like yeah. the sterilization thing even as a guy it's hard to get sterilized and it's probably harder as a woman because people suck but like well, the, the, the main reason for that is the doctor doesn't want you to come back five years later and be like he should have talked me out of it i regret my decision and it's their fault they made me uh infertile liabilophobia like, right so i mean it's i think some part of it maybe is no doubt uh you know some purit- puritanical sex bullshit but it's really i think in large part that particular thing is just fear of getting sued but no it's worse okay. for women like I, there's no laws against guys getting a form of birth control in their hands but there's there's people trying to make it illegal for women to even have access to birth control and there's countries where women can't right they suck i i i wasn't saying that wasn't an issue yeah i i mean Stephen was saying that it's not just sex purity, but there's other. But it needs to be recognized as a driving force behind these laws and the way we we like. So your revulsion when you like see a seventeen year old with a twenty something year old, like you don't know that seventeen year old or that twenty something year old. It's it's. I think it would be healthy for people to uh, like internally be self aware. Okay, I'm judging them based on what exactly. I am for this law because. Well, it just sounds good. I mean, 17-year-olds shouldn't be fu- be fucked by people in their 20s. Slow down. When you said internally self-aware, I don't understand how that applies to laws. Because you can't have that with laws. They're right? bad laws. Well, I mean, like, <laughs> I, 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 I mean, laws are... We should have had our, our resident lawyer on to explain. But <laughs> what laws I, are? Well, I mean, but in general, I think, I think that, that they are, they are, you know, they are cut and... They're supposed to be cut and dry. Here, this is the case... And sorry, you know, discretion, we can argue about that in court maybe, but mm-hmm. for the most part, like, you know, agree, if, if, if someone if someone walked in and uh, Jace was wrist deep in my abdomen um, <laughs> oh. w- w- while I was unconscious and doing an appendectomy on me, uh, unlicensed, you'd probably be in trouble. Because I'm just Stephen being like, it's okay, this is consensual. At, at, at least, what if at, it was an emergency appendectomy? Right, but 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 I think I think running in and arresting re- arresting Jace would be a great idea, up and and you could make your case in court and be exonerated. But like, because in general we see, oh look, this is happening. We should put a stop to this. And 
most of the time that's that's the right call to make right so, so partially like, the consent laws don't or the age of consent laws don't allow for consent if you had consented that appendectomy it wouldn't matter jace would still go to jail because law says your consent doesn't matter but more importantly i think the problem is that the age is just set way too high like set the age lower because 17 18 that's a ridiculously high age for people who want to fulfill one of the basic drives of biology at an earlier age. I think you can still like accuse someone of rape, even like if you're legally, you know, this just gives you the ability to consent. Yeah. Like if you're 14 and you're raped by a 20 something, you could still go to the cops and Absolutely. say I was raped, but like, yeah. you know, in you fact, they'd be probably be more likely to believe you <laughs> if you had some sort of established agency, yeah. <laughs> you know, but as a kid, it's like, yeah. So, you know, um, I was raised, I was born in the late 70s and raised in the 80s, 90s. So um, I don't think much has changed, honestly. Um, I see it all the time. Age of consent laws have gone up in some places. It's the major change. So we've, we've regressed. Great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think things have actually gotten worse since the, six, or the 70s. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, yeah, maybe. Actually, I'm not sure about that. I think some things have gotten better and some have gotten worse in this domain where I'm curious I, about what, how the laws fluctuated too. Yeah, that'd be something to research. I wonder what the first, like, oh, yeah, if I'd, like, done, if I had thought to research stuff for this episode, like, it would have been interesting to know, like, what the first age of consent law was, like, where it was initiated, what the circumstances were, and what the age was. You could probably find that on Wikipedia real quick, but my laptop's all the way over there. I think we kept getting <laughs> modeled down on what I tried to separate out at the beginning and then totally forgot to keep doing, which was, like, separate the law from what makes sense and what we should be doing, because mm -hmm. those might not be the same thing. Um you know, and giving agency to kids at a younger it's, age maybe makes sense in some contexts and not in others. Um, I think it you know, depend on the kid. Well, yeah. And so, like, ideally, like Jay said, we'd have a magic wand that we could wave over somebody's head and say they are sentient enough to make this decision and they're cognizant enough of their consequences. But we don't have that. Look, so how, like, do, how do we... You're in your... Are you 30 now? Yeah, I've been 30 for a couple of years. He had to think about okay. it. Okay, I don't know, man. I met you when you were in your late 20s, and so no, that's the good. age you are forever in my mind. Oh, how nice. He also <laughs> looks very young. Yes, that too. Yeah, but, I, I, I am the. I have a face that says, can I please check your ID, sir? So, yes, very much. So we don't have that wand, and we can't wave it over your head. How the hell do we know that you're sentient enough to consent to sex? So that... that raises one of the nuanced... a zombie? <laughs> that, that raises one of the, the nuanced points I was going to make here. Like, you know, there, there's a couple of... of I think interesting edge cases with this and I, I maybe can get them both out quick enough and then we can talk about them. One, I knew a guy a few years ago, he's at a college party and he's, it's not a 19 year old level college party. They're 23, right? You know, they're seniors mm -hmm. and girl comes up and Hey, you want to, you want to hook up? Totally. And a week later he gets a call from her parents. She was 17 and he's fucked. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so what's interesting. And I don't know if, I think that she even had a fake school ID and so, wow. like, so she went out of her way to like to make this because she 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 she, to claim agency she, for she, herself, she thought guess. she had the authorship and she she maybe did she had the, she certainly had the authorship to get a fake ID and <laughs> we we could make this as as detailed as we want because somewhere about, if you you're know, old enough to fake an ID <laughs> but, reliably that means that you're competent law so, doesn't care so so that that's one and yeah. then you know like the on the other end of that you know I know people in their sixties who aren't competent enough to. If they're not competent enough to fake an ID in their 60s, they probably shouldn't be having sex either. Well, but so, but that's the interesting thing, because they're allowed to. I'm speaking uh, particularly people with uh, mental handicaps. Mm. Um, you oh, know, God, pe people with, with their IQ in the, in, the, in the 70s or, you know, um, 
you know, whatever. Obviously, I, I accuse that would thing. need to be included in the law. I don't understand and what I you don't, mean. I don't see that it is. How, what would need to be included and how? Um, like, I'm thinking, let me, like, let me finish the example. I, I, sure. I, I know of a couple that got married and presumably copulated that marriage at some point, right? Uh, or consummated, or whatever you want to call it, and they're 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 are, they're of equal ish level, right? They're right. they're they're both handicapped. Yep. Um, you know, like if if it's about agency and adulthood and and cognition, these people shouldn't be allowed to have sex. We should sterilize them, or at least keep them away from each other and put them in chastity belts. I'm being absurd, but like you see what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Like if they're That's if what some if, people think. if if it's magically about about uh. I guess what I'm, take take away the last the absurd bit about chastity belts and, and distance, but like it does seem like we can't let you know, it it's it's an inconsistent metric. I think that if they're both you know if they're you know neither of them can read and write they 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 can't uh, prepare their you know whatever they they can't live a life independent of help. But if they want to hook up, you know, fuck it. You know, like there are people in in old folks' homes who uh, presumably you know their their well, wife with they STDs. Get too. They do, and I kind of think they should because there's a lot of dementia going on, and a lot of uh, people get, unable on to. Depends on the person, though. Right. Like they're, you know. But that should be in the law. I think that's what Charlie's saying, right? Like I'm saying that, that the law also, doesn't. You also the don't have the ability currently... to consent if you have a certain level of dementia, and that should yeah, be in the law like, too. That should just be because status. it's not addressed. But old doesn't should mean be it to shouldn't be. And I'm not saying there shouldn't be specific age. I never said there shouldn't be a specific age. I'm just saying that simply naming an age is not enough. And I'm actually agreeing with you because there's other ways that you can be competent or incompetent. And we need to address all of that. Yeah. And because also the, uh, people, oh, yeah, because context matters. Right. It and absolutely matters. And if we are actually going in the interest of being just, we, we need to, we need to fix this. Our current laws are egreg- egregious. At we're, we're back on laws. Laws suck. Yeah. They, so I think we can table, table that and just. You know, okay. agree. Here, here. Because, well, but does that mean you agree that sixteen-year-olds could have sex and it wouldn't be gross? Well, so that that's that's sort of where I'm at. Like, if um, again, these these two mentally handicapped people. I mean, again, the state saw them fit to get married. They have a marriage certificate, and mm-hmm. you know, I again, I'm assuming that the state, again, if they let them sign a marriage certificate, had no problems with them having sex. So, like, uh, what they probably would hopefully object to is an able-minded person, fully able-minded person, marrying a a person who um with severe mental handicaps and having sex with them, right? Because they're not, they're not on the same level, right? Mm-hmm. Two 16-year-olds are close enough to the same level as opposed to a 46-year-old and a 16-year-old on average, right? Like, and I realize that there's nuance and, and it's, it, and it, that it doesn't, I and I, I might, I might can, not be making a coherent case. Like, I don't but, think no, they even have to be I on disagree. the same level. You can be yeah. on different levels, but still consent to sex. So I, I, I wonder though, I mean, uh, I, I guess yeah, maybe. Yeah, actually, I think I see where Stephen's calling from. A, a, a an adolescent mentally handicapped. I wasn't. N- well, no, but like it's it's equating it. No, it wasn't. I didn't oh, to make okay. it clear. I, I I'm saying that there there is a level of um of cognitive ability that grows through adolescence. Yes. That you don't have at ten. That you do have at twenty. And some people never get past where you start at where you are at ten. That's and we true. call them mentally. We call them developmentally disabled. Um. Yeah. So. You know, whatever it is that's coming along at that age, uh, that that is. Um, I don't think you guys are disagreeing with each other here. I don't think so either. I just didn't it like that. Like I was equivocating. Like... I wasn't. I wasn't saying oh. that kids were mentally handicapped. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I, I guess I sort of was, but I was drawing an analogy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think where you were headed was like uh, the the you're trying to come up with an example of the like mental competency of someone in their 60s versus someone who is in their in their teens, and I'm like, oh, that, that's that's. 
you can't draw a straight line between those two points. There's more going on there. Like, yeah. If you have dementia, maybe you have like the mental faculties of someone who's 14, but um, you have a fully developed body, like physiolog- phys- physiologically. God damn it. I mean, we, we can skip the, the dementia part because that maybe takes it too high. What if they're both in there? You know, two, two developmentally, develop, developmentally disabled people who are exactly really 40. stupid. And, <laughs> and they're they're for, oh, what was that? I was just joking. I was just saying they're not well mentally handicapped. Just really stupid. <laughs> um, no, I, I like the uh, I guess because they're but they're cognitive cognitively about where you could test with an aptitude test or something a cognition test whatever you want to call it they'd gauge around ten right can you um, they so like at that oh, sorry go ahead oh nothing I had a random thought no know. it's it's fine I'm not. I don't know if I'm making a good point here. Well, I, I was going to say, you know, drugs um, retard your mental capacity uh, for periodically for a time. And does that mean you can't consent? Because, I mean, if that's the case, I've been on LSD and like been raped and or raped people at the same time. So, I mean, in the, the extreme example, uh, people often give people drugs to have sex with them so they can't consent. Right? Yes. And so, that's fucked up. But you need to so be able that's to distinguish obvious. between those two. And the, yeah, like. you can distinguish between those two. And I think the, the easy solution to, to your example is like you pre-commit whilst sober mm-hmm. saying, I'm going to alter my consciousness through substance use and I am open to doing whatever we're doing, whatever we want to do at that point, whether it's sex or not or whatever. And I'm, I'm consenting to that while I'm sentient and, and, on planet earth right right um like that doesn't sound like a hard problem right but <laughs> so you could still have sex with someone who was on lsd without it being evil or bad or whatever because well i think if you if you ask them when they weren't on lsd sure yeah 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 okay but that like if if this it seems like in the example then the analogy would be if this person who's mentally handicapped at 40 could turn it off for long enough <laughs> well to no. say a consent to sex and then turn it back on and they're disabled again yeah no that i mean i guess <laughs> sorry that's a bad analogy no and you're good <laughs> like i said it came out of nowhere and i probably shouldn't have jumped in with that it's fine because it, it's a that's a it's a exploring the edge it, cases is where you figure out where the edges are yeah yeah um, but like when, when steven was saying like people are on two different levels when they're in their teens and their 40s um like i i agree i think that Charlie at 15 and uh, her lover at 31 were definitely at different developmental levels, but I don't think that relationship was problematic. It was. I don't know if Charlie doesn't. I mean, yeah. They, so, I, like, you, you can be on different levels and still have good relationships as long as, you know, you're not a bad person. If you take the other person into consideration and treat them like a person and be yeah. decent. That was my point entirely where the objectification commodification of adolescence is really what the problem is. And maybe it's also just a, a general thing with age gaps. I mean, you know, I if I I'm, you know, in my 30s, if I hung out in front of junior high schools just to make friends. <laughs> Oh, God, no, don't. no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying. Like, there's no, there's no sex involved. Is... No, like, honestly, I, I, I wish like we I'm... lived in a world where that we was possible that, yeah. without societal, a, a negative societal assumption and repercussions. I would love mm. to have teenage friends. I would hate to have teenage friends. So that's, yeah. that's the point I was making. And I have I, great teenage friends. And don't get me wrong, we're, we're allowed to. This, this is, this is more of a, a values difference. But I don't think teenagers have anything interesting to, like I like talking about. Right? Really? Um, I, I had a co-host, uh, Metamore, who was in her teens. Uh, not cognitively. We're gonna. Oh, we're gonna, we're gonna oh, pretend, yeah. oh All right, I yeah. see. Okay, so right, but, but, April doesn't <laughs> count. I'm, I'm jesting. I know. I, I, I don't have a good answer for that. And I, I guess what I'm meaning is that, like, I am glad I'm not the kind of person to go out and you know troll the junior high schools looking for buddies, right? Right. Um, and that's. But in my but opinion, that, that's still but, creepy as fuck. But that's, that's just that's just a me that's thing. That's just the two of us, and you know. 
and and, <laughs> and it would be nice to society you know i remember um so you know we, was... we had a friend who uh likes kids yeah in a non-sexual way if you say they like kids you have to you have to qualify that <laughs> and he even, he even said he loves getting hugs from like his nephews or something and he's like kid hugs are great mm-hmm. you know i was really i was i was at a three-year-old's birthday like, party yesterday yeah. and i didn't get any hugs because she was busy my niece was uh playing mm-hmm. with this giant foam machine but um you know little hugs from little kids are adorable yeah. uh you know it's um when i was 15 i had a, a mentor who was a, i'm not sure exactly 10 11 years older than me and like it was god it was such a good relationship and i learned so much i grew a lot through that my mother absolutely hated her even though she never met her it was almost entirely a uh e-relationship but she was like oh this creepy older lady that's creeping on you and yeah i totally developed a crush and you know i I would have loved to to have sex with her if I could. I couldn't because, first of all, she thought that I was, you know, a teenager, which would be weird. She wasn't attracted to me. But also, she was total lesbian. So, <laughs> <laughs> two layers of not being attracted to me there. And might as well have been 5,000 miles away, right? Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, she was just in a different part of Denver. But, yeah. I, That's 1,000 miles when you're 15. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had a bike, man. That's. But um, It's very hilly. It, I did actually end up going to her place once when she had like a like a gathering of nerds over to watch Xena stuff and then um, some alien movies. That sounds so, cool. Yeah, yeah, it was a great time. Um, and like she she was just she was really awesome to me, and it was it was a great thing in my life. And you know, if it had things had been different, and I would have uh, been able to sleep with her, I don't know. It probably wouldn't have been terrible. And I I'm, <laughs> I have a hard time imagining that kind of world because you know it's just so not the relationship we had like from the very beginning she was like oh that's really cute the one time when i was like i think i think i really love you and she's like oh that's so adorable (laughs) and how old were you i was like 15 i mean you know so if she said i love you too let's fuck i mean were you consenting to that like it's it's interesting, right? It is like, interesting. So, and I again, I'm not saying that it, I don't that think anyone... it should necessarily be a an evil considered to be an awful thing. What if she had asked, "Can I borrow, you know, what your parents have? Your parents are putting away a college fund for you. Can I borrow it? You know, like see that is much more likely to be very exploitative. But if but I mean, if you're not if you're not cognizant enough to lend somebody a hundred bucks, are you cognizant enough to to? And I, I'm not. This is not. This isn't, isn't an, a question I expect an answer to. Yeah. And I I should be clear i'm not sure if it's obvious if this is your first episode i'm usually a bit more composed i'm finding this emotionally challenging on a way that i'm trying to analyze whilst talking yeah, about it, it. it's actually really rating... interesting because i can't figure out what your objection is I, neither I can i rating somebody else's <laughs> college fund is abusive and an abuse of that trust and uh that that relationship whereas you know if there were actual romantic feelings that developed between us which again there wasn't she's not into younger dudes and she's not into men at all but if something had developed along those lines, I don't think it would necessarily be bad. Yeah. And that 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 wouldn't be an abuse of that relationship if it was just kind of a natural outgrowth. Okay, so flip the sexes. Same scenario. I can't do that publicly <laughs> because okay, then everybody right. thinks I'm a creepy pedophile. And I, and I totally understand. But in theory, but you should be able to do that. Yes, in theory, that should be just as acceptable. Yeah. And I'm a female saying that. Yeah. So... There, you're not canceled. Uh, <laughs> I have learned that it doesn't take one person in the group that you're supposed to be marginalizing, supporting you to to have you There's uncanceled. Two. I'm trans. I agree uh. with Indiana. Okay. Yay! <laughs> Thank you. Um, but uh, the, I, I think cancel that, us now. Right. <laughs> That's the law. So, like, uh, it's like no take backsies. Yeah, as what, soon what, as you say it, you can't be yeah. canceled. Yeah. Well, you know what? I'm glad that you're you're like trying to figure out 
why you have that impulse to be like, no, that's not okay. It's very socially ingrained. Yeah. Like that's I still what I'm that, trying to point out. I still kind of have that reaction. Like I can't yes. I can't imagine having a relationship with a teenager. I'm so on Charlie's side after you articulated your point, but in the beginning of the podcast I was sounding more like I was because I was saying, oh man, age gaps are really problematic or like power imbalances are really problematic and that was just they can be. They can well yeah, that was what I was trying to say is they can be like but then uh I came into this feeling like I'm not sure where I really lives. Yeah. fall along like the argument about age of consent just because i haven't really hadn't had a good conversation about it yet yeah. like i hadn't articulated my own thoughts yeah and this has completely helped me like crystallize my opinion here cool uh, Yay. i haven't crystallized one yet but it's 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 currently brewing Yay. um i mean i i when when jace asked like i'm not sure you guys disagree and i'm like you know that's i've been thinking that for the last 20 minutes i'm not even sure where where the dis where our it, point it of point like of contention you're just kind are. of poking at charlie's point to try to like steal or not steal man it like the devil's advocate it to like that's that's the or... that's the phrase i was thinking of on the drive over as like i think i'm prepared to devil's advocate the other side here i guess what it is that i'm I'm... It's very like uninteresting airtime if you just have four hosts who all very like strongly agree with each other. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I don't that know, man. Dynamic. Tell that to Fox News. <laughs> oh well. But I should we fight the president harder? <laughs> Although I guess this was pre-February, right? Uh, I I still have I you know confusions. Then it's more about legality stuff. I still don't know how that could possibly work. Um, you know, if, if you just lower the age, then great. That's maybe step one, but. It does seem to be like you are. You guys keep saying aptitude based. Yes, have and, some sort of aptitude test. And I, I, I feel like it's weird. I, and I mean, maybe it's just my feeling weird. I, 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 I don't know if I've articulated this yet. I have a lot of like obviously like yuck reactions about a lot of this stuff, and that's clearly. And if again, that's not usually one of my like salient reasons for disagreeing with something. And yet, apparently, it's it's a strong one here. I have a lot of yuck like, reactions to incest, but like morally i think that there are cases where it's fine it's that's the standard example to help to, you get over like yuck example yuck reactions it, yeah it's it's like ingrained culturally and well like and some people have problems with like and you still get a knee-jerk like oh that's problematic like even i was doing that in the beginning of the podcast and then i like but when you actually like articulate it out and yeah y yuck yeah. reactions aren't a good reason for anything i mean a lot of people don't like people with two dicks having sex or excuse me two people with dicks having sex <laughs> And, someone and, with two dicks having sex might be awesome but 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 some you know some people they, they think oh two guys kissing is yucky that's like all right so ben, great enjoy yeah. your yuckiness that's that's not a good reason to do anything i think that's what, and oh, so the disgust reaction is a lot of why so many laws did exist that like you know about interracial marriage for example like that nobody could really articulate a good point against it except ew it makes me feel bad right it. it's got cooties like <laughs> That's sort of the whole like trusting other people's autonomy and their ability to make decisions for themselves, even if you wouldn't do it and you disagree with it. Like it's laws with empathy. Yeah. I think I've said before too that I I think I uh, developed um, you know more fully. I hope to be more developed in ten years than I am now. But uh, in like my late late teens, you know, like I was aware of stuff as a teenager. Mm -hmm. um, I even remember I think having some original thoughts, but like, <laughs> but they were few and far between, right? I, I don't think that at 15, I was anywhere near where Charlie was. And so I'm typical minding for my 15 year old self. And so I'm having difficult. It's kind of just like Trauma taking some of the kids to grow up fast. So you see that on aptitude test too. And Steven. So uh, that's great. I'm glad you went there because then you would probably not have given consent or pursued or allowed a sexual relationship. And I'm if something sexual happened with your, with you, it probably would have been, something that you would have protested and so for like 
that <laughs> like basically disenfranchising every 15 year old because some 15 year olds aren't interested in sex yet makes no sense i i think and this is just the the this isn't me devil's advocating at this this is just my actual vague recollection of of my childhood i i do think that at 15 if somebody said hey you want to fuck i probably would have said yes but looking back i don't think i i was able to make that judgment um and you know maybe because i've got some magic thing about sex in my head that really shouldn't be there but you know it could have been about anything you know do you that, do you think that could have been something they could have uncovered on an aptitude test okay i i would need I, no, to I wanna, need to be a magic ooh, i want to dig I right there sure. you wouldn't have been able to make that decision why is that decision so monumentally important? Right, What's going to happen if you fucked? <gasps> Were you going to die afterwards? Were you going to have to marry that person and be with them for the rest of your life? See, you're going to demythologize sex. It's not this titanic event. It's not a tidal wave. It's freaking a ripple. Especially nowadays that we have, you know, protection. Yes. Yeah. Like back in the day, I can see why it was... And this is really surprising because back in the day, people had sex much younger and it wasn't a big deal. But back then, it actually could have been a much bigger deal where you get someone pregnant or you get pregnant. You, you could you die. Could die. And you could, yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> and Seriously. societally, you are like now property. Yeah. And, but and nowadays, like, it's much yeah. less of a big deal. Yes. Because we fixed And the laws should reflect that. And our educational system should reflect that as well to prepare these young adults for the choices they need to make for themselves also given what you said about wanting to have probably would have said yes if someone asked you to have sex at 15 like i don't know maybe you might have your hormones would have just taken over but <laughs> maybe just from personal experience sometimes when your body is uncomfortable and not not working it just doesn't work out i'm not i'm not thinking that my body would have been i'm thinking that my mind wasn't there yet yeah yeah and well i mean and then you, and you probably would have like Lots of times kids, when they first get into sex, start with things like, you know, heavy petting, touching, kissing, yeah. that kind of thing. They don't go to full sex on the first go. And not sure. only that, but so your mind isn't there yet, but your body wants to experience. So that's how you get there. You experiment. You explore sexually. It should not be a crime to hit puberty and start exploring sex. I think it... That, and I, <laughs> I, I don't think so either, but I think what, to me, I... I and now I mean? again we're back on laws but i think that it might should be a crime to test some kids limits and see if they want to explore their horizons with you when you're 30 right and you and they're they're 15 and i realized that was your situation and it worked out great but it like if someone was like hey you know what try this out you know worst thing worst case scenario you have a bit of regret and like oh sure thing you know person who knows a lot more than i do because you're twice my age um i don't i don't think that we should be i i I at least understand why people might be reluctant to say, no, let let people go forward and try their hand with as many kids as they can, right? Do, wow. I mean, does that I mean, does that make sense cuz Yeah, no, I see what you're saying. I just as the 15-year-old, you might say, "Hey, I've got autonomy." Yeah. But you don't cuz so you're stupid, but that's okay cuz you're making protect against pedophiles. I don't even know if it's it's, you know, cuz you know, like I think you still have to protect against sexual predators. Yeah, but that's how, not how do you Can I pump your intuition for a sec? Yeah. What if the person what if you at 15 have been approached by like a 30 year old person who said, do you want to have sex? And also, do you want like, but do you want to have sex? Also, let's do it like without protection. What you would have said yes. I don't remember my 15, years, 15 if, year old self person, well enough to, to answer that, but pretend I'm giving whatever that answer. Is that you think that if someone had like initiated sex at 15, you would have said yes. But would you have said yes if it was another guy? You're straight, right? Uh, 
I'm less straight now than I was 15 years ago, but... Um, but you probably would have said no at the time, because you yeah. were attracted to, like, if it was somebody that, like, you hated. Like, sure. if it was maybe, like, a, a cute girl, but she was a total asshole who kicked puppies. Right. You'd probably say no, because I don't like you. <laughs> like, you'd say no to an unsafe situation. Somebody who, like, if, if the 30-year-old was in some way off, if, if you didn't actually want to consent to that, you probably would have said no, right? I guess I don't know what actually consent means when I was... Consent just means saying yes. I like if they ask uh, some thirty-something propositions you and. I mean, I know, I know what it means. Yeah. You know, it means it means assenting and and and. It means being sentient yeah. enough to be able to like see and, and check like... yourself whether or not like do, do I feel comfortable having sex with this person? Like, do they seem safe? Do like you know? Are we using protection? Am I attracted? Am I attracted to them? Yeah, I mean, and again, I I, I don't quite know where I'm at here, and I, and I don't know if I can accurately model my 15 year old self well enough to answer any questions honestly i mean i do remember seeing people in junior high you know being picked up by their boyfriends who were at least 10 years older than us and that was weird and they and some of them had very bad times now to charlie's point you know tough shit maybe you need an abortion maybe you had a regret a lot of people you know, have really tough times like, having sex at 32 yeah with other 30 year olds and but i guess i don't know maybe but, I, they maybe have I got right to think about just choice. keeping kids safe from stuff you know like if somebody offered a 15 year old some cocaine like hey you know You'll be, you know, most people who try it once don't have a huge problem with it, but some people do. And you imagine getting a cocaine problem at 15, right? I was offered drugs at a young age, but that's another issue. And the people that offered me drugs were like, we're all ages. Yeah, I guess I, I'm just saying that just because someone's old enough to give the syllables, yes. I don't think that's what that refers to. It it refers to being able to like. Understand um, all the stuff that's involved. Have your own theory of mind, like. To have a fully formed theory of mind, I guess, partially, yeah. and uh, to like also know that you want sex and that like you're physically capable of having sex, and that this is someone you feel comfortable doing. Like, if it you with. have sexual attraction to someone and you can and you can actually perform sex, then like you're physiologically old enough to do it, and then you're mentally old enough to do it if you can think through the like implications and make a responsible decision, or even an irresponsible decision. Yeah, or that like you know. Uh, I mean, I have made irresponsible decisions as an adult, and I'm very sexually experienced. Yeah, like, how much do you think the law should protect people from themselves is kind of the question. Oh, yeah. And again, I just need to say this every time we're back on laws, but I... I, I, (laughs) Well, it all comes down to protecting people from themselves, right? That's what all these laws are supposed to do. Because we're talking about laws here. Are you... you Well, I'm also talking about what I feel good people's decisions because they're making the wrong decisions and they have to be protected from them. Well, and to be clear, we're talking about laws and we're also talking about, like, just what we feel cool about and what we feel should be allowed, which Mm -hmm. are different things. Like, I mean, you know... Oh, and, and it doesn't mean I feel cool about it. Do I still get grossed out when I see, like really young girls being like hit on by guys that like i don't know should could be old enough to be their dads absolutely there's a yuck factor there i mean so we're all probably in favor of of adults being allowed to post pictures or videos of themselves having sex on websites that condone that behavior right like pornhub whatever oh can you upload your amateur videos you mean to the internet yeah yeah I mean, you upload your do, own. You do, have to get consent from the other people in it, but yeah. Well, yeah. But but <laughs> but if two fifteen-year-olds, just to rule out the confusion of a thirty-year-old, or we can even have that one example too. That's a if really fifteen-year-old says, question. if the, if, mm-hmm. if the fifteen-year-old says, totally, put it online. I think it's great. We had an awesome time. I, th- I don't they think they. I don't to... think they know what they're doing. I don't know, but like you can also be thir- in your thirties. There could be two thirty-year-olds who also are impulsive and make a bad decision and regret it. But at some point, you but, but you, what, you, what if, you, you stop. Who's pro- been harmed by you putting porn online? you people have seen you having sex with someone but like 
you regret yeah, that, that decision goes back later. To our you take the video culture. down. Yeah. Well, it all the keeps vi- going back you, you can never, you can never in take some anything. Societies, it's great. In other societies, they're going to be like, let's brand an A on your forehead and cast you out into the wild. You, you can never take anything off the internet, right? I mean, you can take it off of your personal server that but you're I mean, hosting. How does that hurt you? Unless like. But a lot of people maybe some shitty people find it and they're like oh look that's steven let's like spread it around but like yeah mostly like that's never even going to come back to you i think that some people don't people don't recognize porn like actors on the street generally no i i think that just you know <laughs> some some adults take down porn videos that they put up themselves right yeah and um, they should be able to do that but like, like they're never they're never down they just wish okay, they were well, the, the thing like, of uh, not having like autonomy over your ability to be on the internet or not is a different yeah uh, right. rights question i guess I, i'm just thinking like if we're if we're cool with 15 year, year olds and 30 year olds having sex we should totally be cool with them sharing that video online i think i am I, yeah. I but i guess i wonder you could monetize that does a 15 year old <laughs> uh understand what they're getting into that you know if you google if it if it maybe if it do. trends <laughs> i does and, and, and like anyone who's never done that before understand what they're getting into they, they might understand that things <laughs> get popular on online they have you know, a little they, more perspective because of age and 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 other life experiences like seeing yeah. things trend on twitter but or they something, still right? can't predict the future accurately none of us have that magic ability to never regret any decision we ever make or fully understand the repercussions of every mis- every decision we make. And like trying to magically extend that umbrella over an adolescent who's going to make more mistakes because they're exploring something new in all these different contexts is just, I don't know, that's not... It doesn't work. So also I mean, I, I don't want. I don't want to. I don't want to draw the line at like we should have to be able to perfectly predict the future, like like wizards, to have that be the the bar. That no one's no one's claiming that anyone should ever be able to do that. What we can do is we can imagine probable futures and anticipate outcomes and decide on which ones we want to happen, right? And gear the future towards those probable it's outcomes. Also, the excuse I was in my teens is commonly accepted by a lot of people. Like, the younger you That's are, the more likely... That's literally the age likely... where you're supposed to mess up. Yeah, like, the, the more people are like... Once you're older, your people are like, changes. you're 40 years old and you're still making this stupid decision? Nah, man. But, like, someone's Can like, I, I was 14. Up? I was like, oh, yeah, okay. You know. One of the things that, like, that I think is important to take into account we sort of talked about it with like elderly people and dementia, but that there are different stages of life, mm. different developmental stages that mm. like do have earmarks. Mm-hmm. Um, teenager brains are more impulsive, uh, more creative, uh, less. What is the word? Uh, they're just more more uh, risk tolerant. That's that's intentional because again, West fight me. This is evolutionary <laughs> psychology, <laughs> but. Um, Hunter gatherer times you are supposed to that's the age where you're supposed to like break your like bonds from your parents and your family and go out and learn how to be a human you're supposed to really test if that lake is full of alligators uh no more like you're supposed to go find a mate from another tribe so you don't inbreed sure but as far as far as being risk of being uh and if you stayed like attached to your parents like the in the sense of attachment um which is a whole psychological thing you know what i mean by that charlie right like attachment theory yeah um you unbond from your parents as your primary attachment figure and you go and rebond with other humans uh you find peers uh mentors um partners and start your own family and like and that all generally happens in the teens yeah like the thing is that that's that's instrumental like you become more risk tolerant during that time period because like 
it's advantageous for you it's to, also go, to like, go make mistakes. Like the, the way you learn shit is by going and making mistakes. I'd also like to point out that is one of the time periods when your body is most able to absorb the consequences of failed yeah. risks. <laughs> like you can bounce back from shit in your teens that you cannot bounce back from when you're older. And you're more bouncy. Yeah. <laughs> There's this joke about like children bounce. Um, I like my mom went to preschool and I worked with children in like that and like at the library and it's just like this weird kind of fact about children is that they're really resilient to <laughs> to physical damage. <laughs> to physical damage. Yeah. Like I mean like in some ways they're more fragile than an adult, but in a lot of ways, like they can just I, I remember like when I was in my teens and I was like chasing kids around at the summer camp and I was just like, Oh my god, they have so much energy. Hmm. Or like it's always the joke of adult like adults saying, like, Yeah, I wish I had that energy. But like ac- these kids would run in like ninety five degree heat, direct sun, like for hours. <laughs> yeah, I was something about I was in my teens and I was tired. Do our do our fucking mitochondria start decaying as we get older or some yeah. shit? Fucking. <laughs> well, well, we also okay. have more neuroplasticity when we're young. Like yeah. our brains are literally forming yeah. very rapidly and um I want to just go circle back to what I said earlier was that the actual rape and abuse standing alone uh as a child, I would have recovered from much better if the uh the stigma hadn't been thrown on top too yes and the bystander effect um all the the victim blaming and purity culture stuff like i was i was given the impression that i was merely along for the ride and whatever happened to me including like rape and abuse uh and what kind of touch happened was not my decision you had however no the negative consequences of the decisions made on my behalf were entirely mine all you kiddo <laughs> and um that was that was what was really traumatizing. Like honestly, uh, I I think it's very brave that Jace was just like, yeah, like being raped wasn't the worst thing I've ever been through. I Not absolutely agree. That moment was bad. How I was treated because of it, and how like I was like basically targeted for my abuse. My abusers were protected. I I was the one punished. Um, I think part of the reason that I have recovered so well is that I never told anybody. Hmm. about any of my i didn't tell anyone my abusers started to spread rumors about me and i was targeted by other abusers who also let other abusers know and like my abusers never met each other and they're like years apart like i lived in a terrible place it sounds like it yeah (laughs) and i was raised by a terrible family but like you've come out of it really well I'm like, oh, I mean, like that—that the whole thing. Yeah, I like actually do. You know, there's um post-traumatic growth is something that I've been reading about recently. It's yeah. like kind of—I don't know if it's a new psychological idea, but I think it actually goes back to World War II, uh, at least like when the papers that I've seen. But that was um when they were just carpet bombing England. Mm. Uh, it actually mobilized the people that lived in England more to <laughs> fight the war, where like where they had been ambivalent. It was this, there's this effect called a near miss. <laughs> I will, like, s- oh, sorry, go ahead. Um, like surviving a bombing uh, by near miss. Like it means like maybe your house was hit, and but like you got out and you survived and you're, you you come back a lot stronger from that. Like um, if, if certain cir- ugh, psychological conditions are at play, like you still feel like you have control. <laughs> like yeah. it, you feel like you can tell sort of I'm... a uh, survival story like to yourself. Like I couldn't, you know, um. There's a possibility that I could get out of this and and become stronger because of it. But like, if you're a child stuck in a situation where like there you have no control, you literally can't tell yourself that story. Like, I can survive this because you're like I'm at the whim of 
what other people are telling me or, and doing to me. I may or may not survive this based on like what other people decide. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, I I don't really want to go there because that's like yeah. Um, I, I'm not I trying will to also say like, that say that PTSD doesn't exist. <laughs> I'm just well, no, that, and like... I I I I've probably had this discussion with you guys before, but um, I really really loathe that common apathetic terrible saying like oh you wouldn't be the wonderful person you are today if you didn't suffer blah 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 and i'm like fuck you (laughs) i'm not saying don't you dare retroactively justify abuse abuse is abuse and that was a loss and it took from me and i am a wonderful person despite having endured that not because i endured it thank you very much i wasn't born a piece of shit yeah i mean you know like and and like refined through suffering i was born a loving fearless kid i loved people i would go hug strangers and crawl up their legs at parties and i liked to dance and i was just so social and i almost lost that child to abuse yeah i'm I'm, yeah amazed that you came out of it like as healthy and stable as you are like if i could because like definitely um people can be traumatized and it can wreck their lives like yeah i I don't want like by by saying that post-traumatic growth exists i don't like mean to say that like no i think it doesn't exist i think that um it's unfortunate that people do have sort of different levels of cope yes <laughs> that's like but that's another thing where a like kids to... have different levels of aptitude and it's not their fault for yeah. being uh, but a lot of it has to do like i guess the reason i really wanted to talk talk about this with you guys is if i could go back or even if i could change the laws in society for the future so the next child who endures abuse like I did isn't further victimized by the reactions of people around them. I think, I think that like like dealing with the physiological realities of sex, demythologizing it, addressing purity culture issues and, and sexual double standards and all this shit is vital to allow, allowing people to basically bounce back from trauma faster and also not be re-traumatized continually because they have experienced trauma and part of like changing laws around sexual consent why i feel so strongly about it is because that i can i can look back and be like god that would have been helpful i would i lost so much to the not just the events but the re-traumatization and the social consequences uh, decades of my life spent extremely mentally ill and constantly re-traumatized and then like one step forward and five steps back and I I'm not gonna ever get those years back I'm in my mid-40s like what I have lost is irreparable like like there is no giving that back and so I just I look at the way things are now and I see these laws and I see people's reactions and I'm like no that's that's not helpful you're not helping young people by reacting that way by framing it that way like if you really care about them you need to acknowledge that they are adolescents they're sexually exploring they are less risk adverse they they are at a like a experiential disadvantage but that doesn't mean they don't have agency there's no reason to re-traumatize them or to traumatize them when they weren't traumatized in the first freaking place so that's really what was important to me to get across. I really liked the distillation. That sounds like it. I was going to say on a t-shirt, but it should be somewhere like on a, on a trophy of um, I'm not the person I, I am 
because of what I endured. I'm the person I am be- despite what I endured. Yes, I like that a lot. That's a quotable Charlie and Bradley. I love it. Um, <laughs> it. It sounds like in the instances of the the abusive uh, encounters you had as a kid, that it's not like uh, more lenient laws with sex with children would have helped you there. It sounds like the law failed you. That what we needed was was more intense legal no. action. No, that wasn't everything they... they did was illegal. Yeah, nothing they did was illegal. No, everything they did was illegal. Oh, right. Yeah, that that isn't a matter of a. Um... That wasn't bad laws. That was just laws not being like ba- ba- at all. badly enforced. Yeah. yeah. Okay, sure. Enforced. And yeah. that was because of a lot of purity culture stuff. Gotcha. Victim blaming. I didn't bring up my rapes. I never told anyone because like I knew that I would be the one that would be the most hurt by telling people by society there you go like definitely like they were they weren't gonna i don't know like charge those people um they would like yeah i don't know or even if they did it would be like you know time spent in a trial lots of money that you have to spend uh you could lose the trial and then you could like owe the other person money also your name is now slandered because it's involved with dirty dirty sex and you're you gotta wear the big a and whatever (laughs) like so we need shouldn't be that like uh taboo stigmatized we need laws that are, are simultaneously more understanding that kids can make decisions about sex uh and that sex w- isn't with necessarily agency. something and that you have to prevent people from having because it's inherently bad sure totally um but we need we need laws that are can both encompass that and that like make it uh easier and more obvious obviously a safe path for for victims to come forward when they're being victimized and not when they're choosing to do it i well, i mean Raping a child was already illegal in Hawaii at that time. It it yeah. wasn't the law that was the problem. It was the society. No, I know. That's what I'm saying. So, I, yeah, you're right. It is not the law of the society. Fair enough. Yeah, it was um, a horrible place. I, I have, particular. I have one last, into like, just, and we can toss it out or we can entertain it if it's quick. If I went to work tomorrow, assuming I went to work because work was a place I went to instead of my, my you know, <laughs> the next, my, my office at my house, um, and I punched a coworker in the face, mm-hmm. uh, I would be tried with a crime, assault, you know, could be could be rather serious. If I'm 15 and I'm at school and I punch a child, another child in the face, you know, I probably don't go to jail and I'm not tried in front of a, of a judge and stuff because people realize, oh, kids do stupid shit. Mm-hmm. Um, this seems to indicate different understandings of aptitudes among children and adults. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, I, I... It, it, and then, I mean... If, if two 15-year-olds are brawling it out, hitting each other in the face, that's different. If a 15-year-old and a 30-year-old are brawling it out and the 30-year-old keeps hitting the 15-year-old back, that's, also, that's, a, that's, that's way differently as a crime. Would, would the, is, this, is this readjustment of, of agency for children adjusting across the board or just for sex? Oh, across the board. <laughs> across the board. And, 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 and it's all in what you just said. Like, uh, <laughs> that's exactly what I've been saying. Like, we... Myth, we mythologize, mythologize. God, that's a hard word for me to say for some sex. Where it's like, if if a te- if a teenager has sex, well, it's got to be a crime. It's a really big deal. It's like, no, not necessarily. It should actually be taken less seriously, probably. Yeah, you have to take other stuff into account. What if, like, the reason that you went and punched your coworker in the face is that he had like stolen your car? <laughs> I don't. I don't think that the that the cop who arrests me would care. I, I think. I no, think they, they actually will would. mitigating circumstances right. in it. I think you might get like a, a some kind of punishment for punching the person, which is not like the socially correct way to respond. But like people would be <laughs> understanding that like like he would go to jail. <laughs> you get your car back, you know. <laughs> you know, it's it's like if uh, and I, I realize I'm stretching this past where it was supposed or to if go. You, like killed your wife. Like <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> at that point, I don't um, think you'd be held accountable for anything. Yeah, but like 
Hmm. You know, if if me and my other adult friends want to have a fight club, uh, <laughs> you know, I guess it's already illegal. So, I mean. Wait, is but, it? Uh, I thought you could consent to fight clubs. Well, maybe if you're an adult, but if a 15-year-old wanted to join and we beat the shit out of him. Ah, I see. And, and he's like, I wanted to. Mm-hmm. I was into it. It's like, yeah, but now you don't realize. You, did, you didn't understand that. You, I didn't you, know you, the you thing was going to hurt. <laughs> 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 well, you, you didn't. Maybe, you know, kids. Kids. Don't maybe realize like, oh yeah, those teeth don't grow back. Your first set did, you know, or like, yeah, that, that contusion, that broken eye socket will never heal the same. You know, you're going to be disfigured for the rest of your life. As an adult, you've had contexts of, See, of not I, necessarily that uh, it doesn't have to be the exact thing, but that's part of like wisdom is seeing different things and applying it to, to, you to, to your situation. You had to make mistakes first in order to have that experience. Yeah, I had you, brother. You had to have those learning experiences to get that wisdom. I had brothers-in-law who were literally in street gangs and did suffer those sorts of, you know, facial trauma in fights. I think they would have been a lot better off in a fight club than in a street gang. Yeah, I mean, I they, guess... They, they should have consented to that instead. You know, I, I guess if, I, if I'm... Legalized if I, fight clubs. If I'm, looking, <laughs> if I'm looking around for, you know, uh, whatever, to, to fight, right? Uh, I I would just think it better for me and maybe for society that's where i'm curious about to say find someone your own size and age mm-hmm. um rather than go to your local junior high and ask if someone if wants to get to a fight BDSM with you with someone because like that's um more related like if you're a masochist you're 15 and then like you find a 31 year old at like a sex club that wants to beat you up and you agree to it like does that change your perspective at all because like the, the cases that you're saying are still assault i think assault is still like bad <laughs> well but but if it's consensual like, assault you can, you can still you can still accuse someone of rape if it's consensual assault then like i think it's the same thing like yeah. it's, it's just bodily autonomy you you get like there's a point where you get to the age in scare quotes maturity wise etc to be able to make decisions about what is done to your body and i think it's absolutely your body your choice because yeah whether it's abortion or getting punched in the face or having sex like don't you think that i think that what... there's a point where you should be able to have the right to decide what happens to your body like even including euthanasia i think we can't have it both ways if the adult in the room is more liable than the young adult in the room then the young adult has less agency than the adult like we can't have it both i mean i i think i've got and you know this sounds like we're we're near the adult trying to hit both things you know like on on the one hand um sorry jace what was the last thing you said i'm trying to get Um, it back bodily autonomy like uh oh yeah yeah so um i i think that at, at some level and this does come with and it just happens to be tied with age but it is experience you know you, you can have enough xp before you're 12 to understand things that someone at 20 might not but it, it correlates strongly with age because it correlates with time yes. like so you'll you'll see like uh that that some consequence some actions have consequences beyond your understanding the and the first time you see that it might not even happen to you it might happen to somebody else mm-hmm. but that the odds of you f- having that first wisdom moment go up the, the odds of that happening go up with age right so like uh if you're gonna drink and drive if you're 15 it might not sound like that, that bad of an idea yeah worst case scenario i run off the road and i wake up you know drive home because you're stupid and you're 15 right but if you're uh if you're 35 and you think that way you're an idiot um but you you're still making decisions for other people but then the sex thing doesn't work with drunk driving but uh i don't know i guess you know with with i guess we're getting yeah we are getting far afield yeah we're getting a field from uh this is like the general question of how much should laws protect people from themselves which i think is still related but it's that that is maybe where we're we're, topic i think that is where we're differing though and that's what i was trying that's why i was bringing up the the physical violence example of of consenting violence because that that seems to distill the thing violence is worse than sex potentially that's another thing like you can 
be raped and it, it can be like a non-violent coercive thing and you come out of it maybe like mentally scarred but like i think there's physically undamaged it's not like you're in the hospital and you're therefore uh, have sexual dysfunction for the rest of your life because you had to have surgeries to... even if you get pregnant you could you should be able to get an abortion <laughs> should yeah. like, like you recover from this you can recover from this like um hmm. I don't know if uh, that There was... are different magnitudes of violence and... Uh, and sexual uh, abuse or se- sex like, generally, I and, guess. Yeah. So, and, and then their consent is everything. It's everything. So I'm a virgin and I'm having sex with someone for the first time and I'm all about it until it starts to hurt. And then I say, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't like this. I'm not consenting to continue. Consent is everything bodily autonomy is everything i definitely i draw my line in the sand there every time yeah and in, in that in that case if the 15 year old wants to join the fight club if they say i'm consenting then they get to do it and they get to make the mistake of not understanding that they're risking lifetime brain damage but that's just a, an owned risk <laughs> <How about football? laughs> yeah. but but that's just that's just an owned risk of letting people do what they want you can play football and I, I think when i think you know and again i'm still trying to distill where i where my like I think I understand where you're coming from. coming from. I think it's coming from. It, it sounds like you're trying to compare an ideal world. Like ideally, like there should be a better way. Like it's sort of the same thing as like you know the band, the banned goods store. That how we yeah. all sort of agreed that should exist because people should be able to make their own decisions. We all sort of agreed. That's what I was going to bring up. Okay, if if they're competent, I guess. <laughs> yeah. No, no, it was it was just that is part of me. I think the banned goods store makes perfect sense. I think that uh, it's my my inner libertarian is, is super into it. I have this other part of me I think the thing that is says that, like, people it's, it's are too dumb. It's better than the system that we have now. It's not perfect. It still has lots of externalities. It's going to be terrible. Some people are going to take the like stupid drug and die. Right. But and, and part of me has this. That and, world still looks better utilitarian wise than the one that we have. That's probably true. I, I think what I'm just trying to like analyze my own feelings about it is like part of me has this this intuition that people just can't like in many cases can't make judgments for themselves. It's like, look, I know you say you want that, but you but tough. I, you know, I being the the state or the the god artificial intelligence that we built, I'm giving you this vaccine. I'm going to make you wear a mask. I'm going to not let you drive 150 miles an hour on the highway, like um, whatever it is, right? Uh, I and I've realized that's completely at odds with the banned goods store. It's uh, somehow I need to, I need to square this out. I'll do this off the air. Like I think having a banned goods store sounds like a a perfectly entertainable idea. And yet there seems to be, I'm, I'm learning that there's this part of me that feels the exact opposite way about it. I think it depends on just like, as the superhuman AI, you don't want to tell humans, okay, you can't have relationships with people of the opposite sex because those are too often turn out badly because fuck, that's what most humans want really badly. You know, on the other hand, you also don't want to be so permissive. We're like, yeah, go ahead and blow up the earth. I know that's not ideal, but it's your own choice. Thank you. That that actually is a great distillation of it. So yeah, it's you, you can't protect them from everything, and you can't let them do everything. But like the scale is not blow up the world. The scale is have sex you regret. Exactly, <laughs> and sure. and that's that's the social position right now seems to be very much like all sex is bad and harmful, and we can't stop adults from doing it because adults are fucking self-destructive, terrible people. But at least we can make these laws that say no under under eighteen can do this horrible thing. And uh, we, you know, we are very much pushing against this idea that it's a horrible thing that should be legislated away for as long as is possible and um, should be embraced as something that people find out and experiment with as they age. And we're also not saying there shouldn't be an age of consent. We're saying that the age of consent 
should be lower than it is in Colorado and much clearer. <laughs> it definitely and also not have special exemptions for like, oh, Spousal but if you're abuse. married but to if the you're 12 married, year old. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. Oh, but that's a whole nother ball game. This was fun. Yeah. That one definitely seems weird. I, I, I've got nothing to defend that one with the... Ooh, if you actually read through the law, I wonder if your skin would crawl like mine did. Oh, it just, oh that was a loathsome experience. Well, you know, it's not a loathsome experience. Uh, Thanking our patrons. Yay! That's right. oh, man, Trust Stephen for that segue. <laughs> Who's the lucky patron who gets to be thanked after, after that? Um, and I do want to use this as a quick bridge to our next episode where we'll talk about, in general, uh, adult adult kids um autonomy as opposed to just the specific age of sexual consent that we were talking about today assuming that something crazy doesn't happen and i can't read a single more page in the next two weeks but hopefully i'll be done with the book by then right on well this week's uh patron is bob rocks and bob does rock thank you so much (laughs) yeah bob thanks Thanks, bob thanks thanks and sorry bob (laughs) (laughs) this you did this bob you made this episode possible and we thank you for it yeah thanks for bringing this to all the people out there and for helping us to continue to do the show that we do we couldn't do it without you totally all right um if you would like to be a patron of ours there's information at the bayesianconspiracy.com which is our home site uh, you can rate and review us at iTunes and other places. Let your friends know. Uh, am I forgetting anything? We have a Discord. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't read Worth the Candle, whether or not you listen to mine and Enosh's podcast about it, it's amazing. Yeah. I know at least one person who's listening to that podcast just for fun and not reading the story. Oh. And I've been hounding him to read the fucking book. It's actually a lot of fun. <laughs> and I, I think we are almost comprehensive enough with our discussion of it that you can probably squeak by, but you're missing stuff. Read it. Thanks, everybody. And... Is that it? Oh, it? That's it. Okay. We'll see you all in two weeks. Bye. Bye, Bye everyone. Now there's some coffee on my crotch.